Hi, this is your host, Ross Bolin, and before we start today's show, I wanted to first say thank you for choosing Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. We know you have many options when choosing your Game of Thrones companion podcast and appreciate you allowing us to share this experience with you. Also, I wanted to quickly share with you my other podcast, the Ross Bolin Podcast. We talk about history, animals, mental health, pirates, current events, substance abuse, technology, serial killers, music, and more, all mixed with laughs. Thank you again for listening. The Ross Bolin Podcast is available all the same places Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is available. Enjoy today's show, and afterward, if you need a boost to help get you over the post-Game of Thrones blues, give the Ross Bolin Podcast a try. DJ, drop that funky shit. Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm for people who party like Tyrion and slay like Daenerys seasons one through seven. Man, I just can't get over how poorly that tagline aged. (laughs) I'm Ross Bolin, and I woke up intermittently throughout last night just laughing to myself about Jon Snow being sent back to the Night's Watch, but I'm still here, as always, with my dear friend and co-host, Barrett Dudley. Barrett, it's the end of an era. How are you holding up uh, on this, the first day of your life, after Game of Thrones? It hasn't sunk in yet. Not at all. It's it's just kind of surreal a little bit. I'll be honest, the episode hasn't even sunk in for me. And... You know, the thing, I, I was actually I, I, in, a, in, a, in a Twitter response yesterday to somebody that asked me if, if I thought that there would be tears on our uh, Instagram live from right. last night. I said no, because it, for some reason with Game of Thrones, like I, I'm like, I'm so amped up during the episode that it's like, I can't, I can't get emotional oh, afterwards. I, I cry a lot during the episodes. <laughs> but I'm then, not even joking. Then like multiple days later... When I'm rewatching or like thinking about everything that happened, uh, okay. it becomes way more impactful. Like I was rewatching The Bells yesterday, okay, and l- like f- for the first time on that w- on watching that episode, like I felt extremely emotional and sad when Tyrion like watches Daenerys fly off and start to burn the city down, and he just is like, like I I'm as complicit as anybody. Uh huh in making this happen. And there's just like the weight of, of what is happening on him is like extremely sad. And I don't know. I just, I hadn't felt that moment before. You know what I mean? So sometimes it just, uh, during my first watch, I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of just taking it all in. Yeah. I'm trying to take it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I still have, honestly, I still have not absorbed completely everything that has occurred over the past six weeks. Uh, I don't think most of us, truly have it's just not possible it is really interesting to me like every human processes things differently Mm -hmm. emotionally so like for me i'm watching it and i'm just break i'm just crying like a little baby (laughs) you it's like three days later when you do your rewatch yeah some people pro it's just weird like your the time frame it's all it's all it's all so wild barrett yeah yeah but but, i mean you know here we are on a monday morning we're still alive yeah we're still here unlike 
Some of our favorite characters. By the way, if you didn't know, if you didn't see via Twitter, Ross and I did go live for about 10 minutes on Instagram last night. That video is still available to go watch. Right after the episode ended, we went live. At Barrett Dudley on Instagram uh, is where I believe you can you can, you can can check that out. That is correct. For those of you who are new here, uh, there are thousands of you every week. Thousands! I'm Ross Bolin. I'm 31 years old. I'm from Houston, Texas. I live in Austin, Texas with my wife and two dogs uh, who get peps and pets and boops like like ghosts every, every damn day, really. Uh, after eight years of working at the same online media and apparel startup, just a few weeks ago, actually, on May 1st, I launched my own company, Bolin Media, built around this show, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, and my other podcast, The Ross Bolin Podcast. Very pumped to have you here. Thank you for supporting the show and for listening. And then that other boy, beautiful voice uh, you've already heard is obviously, again, as I beautiful said. Beautiful boy or beautiful voice? You're both. <laughs> You're really both. A beautiful boy. Uh, my best friend for over 17 years now, my co-host, Barrett Dudley. Hello. And Barrett has another show as well, Club Cool. What do you say you meet at the intersection of what? Style and pop culture. I thought it was jokes and jokes and jokes <laughs> and jokes, but that I was close. Yeah, almost. Give Club Cool a listen. Give We're just down Bowling the street from, to from the intersection, that intersection. Your neighbors with jokes and jokes yes, and jokes yes. and jokes and jokes. Yeah. Indeed. indeed. Yeah, yeah. Give Club, Club Cool a listen. Give the Ross Boland podcast a listen. This episode of Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa knows how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. To Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All Lisa products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed and to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you want to spend time in. Lisa's most advanced luxury hybrid mattress is made with premium foams and springs for enhanced pressure relief with edge-to-edge support. The hybrid is thoughtfully designed with the best of both worlds. This is the mattress I have, the hybrid, the sweet, luxurious hybrid. It's actually the one Barrett chose as well. It is glorious. Get yourself a hybrid from Lisa Clam Fam. Do yourself a favor. Kill the boy or the girl <laughs> and become the man or woman you were born to be in a real grown-up bed fit for a king. Lisa believes all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation, and they make it uh, known to their customers that they, they, they're involved. In, in social impact initiatives tied to each purchase, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention. And to date, they've donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made right here in the USA. Uh, they have in-home delivery and setup available, financing available as well if you need it. Don't miss out. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon and use the Promo code DRAGON, that's L-E-E. Dragon. S-A dot com slash, do it, Barrett. Dragon. Promo code DRAGON. Keep in mind, you're also going to get a 100-night risk-free trial plus free shipping and returns. Go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles to join the Mollusk Militia and instantly gain access to our four additional Friday episodes of this podcast from the past four weeks, plus this week's uh, Friday episode is obviously coming up on, you guessed it, Friday, uh, as well as written content. On this show, 
starting next week and on Patreon starting next month. We're very excited to be expanding beyond the world of Game of Thrones to bring you the most prevalent and relevant in all television movies and entertainment. Tons of great new movies and TV shows are coming out for us to talk about over the rest of the course of this year. Chernobyl, Stranger Things, the Deadwood movie, Big Little Lies. I mean, the lineup of TV and movies. Do, do you know which one we don't have on our list that we've been saying that I am that like I can't believe we forgot to put on this list? Which list? Succession, man. Oh my god! Like yeah. I am like I, last night I said that that uh, that this is like that Game of Thrones is the most fun you'll ever have like watching and talking about a show. And I while I do believe that to be true, yeah. God, I love Succession. Oh, it's fun. That's a good show, and we're gonna talk about it you right say, here. You say Succession. Succession. I say Succession. Yeah. Circumvent. I'm going to circumvent. (laughs) Why can't Job use that word correctly? He can't Um, even say it correctly. But yeah, for the patrons that are are already um, established as a member of the Mollus Militia, I actually have my first Patreon column cooking up right now. Oh. It's Game of Thrones related. You're cooking in the kitchen. I'm cooking in the kitchen, yeah. Well, we're excited. Yeah, content is king. Obviously, uh, there's a ton for us to watch and talk about. Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Prime, Hulu, and more. We're not going to discriminate, baby. And additionally, on Patreon, we will obviously be going ham. Uh, Next Sunday, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. First of all is, again, the Patreon URL. Next Sunday, HBO is releasing a two-hour Game of Thrones documentary. It looks cool as shit. Some of y'all might have watched the trailer. Wow. Exciting stuff. We're going to break that down and discuss it on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Probably in two separate podcast episodes. Uh, we're pretty confident that that's going to need to be the case. It's going to be huge. Then Movie Club is going to be launching, where we all watch a movie together, then do a hilarious breakdown of that movie once a month. Movies will obviously be announced well in advance. It's like a book club, but movies, you see, it's not very complicated. And then we're going to be doing more writing, obviously, as well. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot to really, truly move on from Game of Thrones. I'm going to have to write several columns about this series, about this season, about this final episode in order to fully process it all. So you'll have that to read as well. The point is this. We here at OCC are going to be bringing you the best in television, movies, music, and entertainment for years to come with intelligent pop culture references littered throughout our conversations, making sure everybody in the clam fam is as up to speed as possible with the latest and greatest in entertainment. And we're going to laugh a lot while we do it. We're very excited for the future of OCC and all the cool shit we're going to get to watch together. Uh, And speaking of which, obviously, we will be back Wednesday with our normal hotline call-driven episode of this show, right? 866-43-CLAMS is, again, our number. Uh, We're also going to do a little season of GOT by the numbers, like not just GOT and how many people watched the show, uh, but also how many downloads of our podcast happened and how many different countries tuned in and cool shit like that. Uh, Now, without further ado, let's get into it. Season 8, Episode 6, the final episode of the entire series of Game of Thrones. It's titled... Fittingly, The Iron Throne, written by Benioff and Weiss and directed by Benioff and Weiss. Dude, I, I know that we were nervous about this, that they had complete control for this episode. Yeah. By the way, I don't blame them at all. This oh, is, hell no, this dude. Is their thing. My like, last episode, my show, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yes, taking the reins. Exactly. Like, yeah, we'll take this one. Um, look, I thought all things considered, personally... I think they did about as good a job as they could have with this episode. And just before we start jumping into it, yeah, because I, I because I, th- trust me, there were there's plenty there is plenty to nitpick about this episode. Now, I didn't think there was as much as in previous episodes. Um, but look, when it's all said and done, this is a top five show of all time. Yes, and 
the seasons one through five were always going to be the best seasons of this show. I don't once disagree you, with Once that. you started losing characters, once you started having to narrow the scope, once you lost that Game of Thronesiness. Most importantly, once you got away from the source material. Yes. That like it was gonna lose a little bit, a little something. No, I'm, I, and that's you're, you're right, you're and that's right. okay because what we did get instead of that is arguably some of the biggest, most spectacular moments that will ever grace our television screens. There were some so it was incredibly kind of, impactful so, moments, yes. So that you know, it was definitely like a shift for those last three seasons. I would say, especially the last two, but. Man, I mean, this was, I, I thought this was great. It was a ton of fun. There's a lot to talk about. And, uh, man, I'm just, I, like we usually say on this show, like, I, I wouldn't kill your brain over, like, trying to knock this show down a peg because. No, not at all. It's, it's kind of pointless now. Yeah, if you came here hoping that we were just going to rag on it the entire time, that that's actually not going to happen. Um, we are going to rag on it some, and I'm going to withhold my actual judgment until the end of the episode and kind of share with y'all what, what my thoughts are on the okay. entire thing. Uh, the description on HBO for this episode is, series finale, the fate of the Seven Kingdoms is at stake as the final chapter of Game of Thrones is written. The runtime is an hour and 25 minutes. In the opening credits, King, King's Landing is wrecked, obviously. You guys happy we noticed that? Everybody who loves the opening yes, credits yes, I so did. Much? I did notice that. I wow. did notice that one. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I did- Very get, smart. I did get a little. Ne- you are very smart. I did get a little <laughs> nervous when I saw Benioff and Weiss were the directors and the writers. Uh, even I mean, like just being reminded of that. Even I know we knew already, but like it was still kind of like, oh no. Uh, and we start off in King's Landing, where we where we ended with Tyrion walking through the rubble of Danny's new world, the aftermath of the burning of King's Landing. He looks absolutely throttled. Ash is raining down on him. He's walking past burned bodies of small children. A man who has been very badly burned. I mean, very. Badly burned, but is still alive. Walks right past him. That shit is haunting. Uh, we see John and Davos following close behind Tyrion as they make their way down this street, citing all the horrors as they go. I've been very, very badly burned, but I'm I'm still alive. If I'm you st- could, if you could please send some medical attention. Will oh, Ferrell. I, I I think I think my leg is broken. <laughs> Guy comes in and shoots him. You shot me. <laughs> you shot me right in the leg. Why did you shoot? Anyway. Uh, sorry, we see, <laughs> we see John and Davos it, it, walking behind Tyrion, and it, it's like a bomb went off here. Uh, it looks like somebody dropped a nuke. It's awful. They come to a stop, and I believe they come to a stop at the same mother and daughter that Arya tried to save. Uh, that's what it looked like to me. They were yeah. like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. just use these same two depressing bodies. We don't need to go find some new ones. We'll just use these ones. Um, and Tyrion says, I'll find you later. And John's like, it's not safe. Let me send some dudes with you, but Tyrion insists... I'm going alone. So Tyrion walks, making his way through the slaughter toward the Red Keep. And it bec- I mean, pretty obvious what he's doing here, right? He's, he's going to find his brother and sister. He wants to see what became of Jamie. I actually did not think that this was obvious until he grabs the torch um, and starts and then walking it's really down. Odd. Yeah, I, I just thought, got, the I, second he looked at the Red Keep, I was like, "Oh no!" When John, because when I, you're t- I think you're totally right. I think this was the point from the beginning. But when John's is like, "It's dangerous," I kind of thought he meant like Daenerys is dangerous. I thought so too. I thought he was. Going I think to he talk just meant Danny. going through this wreckage, wrecked city is dangerous. You don't know what's out there. Yeah, you yeah. don't know who's still alive. You don't know who's still fighting. It's not like they've cleared it street by street. Right. Yet. Exactly. So like that's why I think yes. he. I, 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 yeah. You're totally right. No, I mean, uh, the second he looked up at the Red Keep, I got my first inkling of, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do the Jamie and Cersei. And then when he picked up the torch, I was like, holy crap. And Taylor was like, 
what? I was like, what else is he going to be doing down yeah, there? Yeah. You know where he's going? Um, anyway, we jump over to Grey Worm, who has a bunch of Lannister soldiers down on their knees, and he says, in the name of the one true queen, Daenerys Targaryen, I sentence you to die. I was holding out some hope, Barrett, that maybe Grey Worm would flip, and, f- you know, two minutes into the episode, that's clearly not going to happen. Yeah, uh... I thought he would have some, like, I was bummed out by him because I thought he would have some level of, like, morality to him. I didn't want him to end up a two-dimensional robot who just does whatever his queen says. I wanted him to end up a free man with free thinking, making his own decisions. Character-wise, in these last two to three episodes, Grey Worm was a kind of a disappointment. Weak! Um, And I... I understand. Like it was, it, it was going to be kind of hard to like give him anything else. Yeah, uh, and especially I do, considering and, the time crunch. Yeah, exp- right. And like it, at the end of the, you know, I think what what they kind of had in mind is like the death of Masande also like breaks him. Yes, like nothing, nothing matters. And anymore. it's just harder and to he, portray like, that. Re- I and think. he like reverts back to just being what he was an originally, unsullied. which is like an unsullied killing machine. And the yeah. only thing that, as he says earlier in seasons, right? Like what's the only thing that he knows is like killing people, yeah. like just death. It's and just the mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that it, so uh, while I'm right there with you. I'm like, ugh, like this sucks to see gray worm become just a, like basically just a bad guy it's too. Cog in the evil machine. Yeah. Um, he, he, the, they, I think they kind of give that back to him though, in the second half of the episode, when he does yes. acquiesce to like, North, 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 to the de- to to the desires of the of the new leaders to not kill the two prisoners, and then by leaving and and heading to North, like I think he like he kind of has so he he finds a little bit of solace. Yeah, there. sure. So a little, yes, you're absolutely right. But I I, just, I was I with you. I was beginning. with you at this point for sure, where it was like like bummer and people, dude, and then we almost well, okay. Continue. Yeah, he uh, John runs up to try to save him, uh, to try to keep him from killing these other guys to save the Lannister soldiers, rather. And he says, it's over. These men are prisoners. Grey Worm is like, it's not over till all the Queen's enemies are defeated. Davos asks, how much more defeated do you want them to be? They're on their knees. And Grey Worm responds, they are breathing. No mercy in this dude. Like, the death of Masande sent him into Terminator mode. He just follows the Queen's commands. He tells them that. Not theirs. She he listens to Danny and Danny only. And John's like, "Well, what are the Queen's commands?" And Grey Worm explains, "Kill all who follow Cersei Lannister. These are free men. They chose to follow her." And he draws his knife. John grabs his arm, and this is what puts us into our little Mexican standoff. Barrett was referring to uh, causes all the Dothraki to get ready for a fight. The Northmen do the same. I'm not, the Unsullied, not the Dothraki. Excuse me. Very tense situation developing. Uh, and we almost get what we feared, yeah, which yeah. was Jon Snow versus Grey Worm, potentially. I was very worried. Uh, fortunately, it does not happen. I wasn't going to be able to handle that. Um, that although, it was going to be unfortunate, yeah. In hindsight, considering what happens the rest of the episode, I don't even know. Maybe I would have liked to see this. But Jon and company walk <laughs> away without, without fighting. And, and then immediately, before Jon's 10 feet, Grey Worm starts slitting throats. It's like, not only is he just is he full-on machine Grey Worm, mm-hmm. the, the military guy now, He's just he's just sort of being a dick, too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Couldn't have waited till they got around the corner, bro. Anyway, Tyrion still walking now through the destroyed Red Keep, through the map room, which always reminds us of Cersei and Jamie, of course, where the ash and snow is falling. What was it snowing in this fucking episode, Barrett? No, it's all ash. That's all ash. 
dude, when a so when there's a, a meteorologist out there freaking when out, when a nuclear right? bomb goes off, or even when like just like a massive bomb bomb goes off, bomb bomb bomb, ash is like th- this. I, I'm pretty sure this is for real. Like ash is up in the air and falling down for a long time. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Spe- well, with a nuke for sure, for sure. But I mean, that's what this is supposed to be evoking. I think a little bit like nuclear fallout, a little, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very eerie. It doesn't fall f- quite like snow, but I do. D- I'm almost positive there was some snow here too, which was weird and confusing. If it was, if that was all ash, like if Drogon was buried below a heap of ash, I guess it's building ash mostly from buildings and structures. That's a good point. I didn't even think about it. That when Drogon like shakes himself off, like that's got to be snow too. I definitely did not think that was ash. I definitely thought that that was snow. And then you're like, wait, now it's snow. It is snowing in Kings. It is winter. Like it. The weather was confusing. The ash and snow thing. We we. The reason this is important. If you're like, who cares? Move on. We've talked about the ash and snow Mm -hmm. since that season. What two? At the house of the undying vision. That Danny has. Right. Is it ash? Is it snow? Is it both? And we ended up without an answer, which is just frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter all that much. <clears throat> Davos de-escalates the situation. He's like, we should speak with the queen. Uh, he's the one who gets him walking away. So again, like I said, back with Tyrion. Um, he walks into his sister's old office, picks up a torch to light the way. And now you realize, if you hadn't already, that he's going down to find their bodies. We're really going to see... Jamie and Cersei's bodies was a realization that I had right here. I, I know some people were holding out hope that Jamie or Cersei survived, at least Jamie. There was I, a large contingency of people. I definitely was like, it crossed my mind when he walks down there. I thought this was the ultimate dictate. First of all, I was 140,000% in the camp of there is no way every one of you is insane if you're holding out hope that maybe one of these people was alive. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like 95% that they were dead, but 5% of me was definitely like, man, are they going to have Cersei pop out here? And it was a dick tease, man. The way they had him, like he goes down, discovers the collapse, but there's that small gap at the top and he makes his way through. He finds Balerion the Dreads partially crushed skull, which is sort of just like, damn, they even messed up Balerion. Uh, and then he walks on slowly, and then he sees it, and it's 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 Jamie's golden hand sticking out from the rubble. This was rough. Yeah, he gets weak in the knees as he draws closer, collapses. He starts sobbing. He picks up a rock in frustration. Slowly begins uncovering the bodies of his sister and brother. When he picked up the stone that revealed Cersei's face, even knowing, even the one hundred forty thousand percent guy was just like, fuck. I was something about it. It was like I wanted her to die, but then seeing her dead and knowing she was pregnant, and the way her and Jamie are like, he's like holding her. This was really well done. This part of the episode to me, like y'all soft, y'all soft. Oh, it crushed me up good. <laughs> it crushed me up good. I was like, fuck all those people she killed. I don't care at all. It actually, it, it, it for me seeing her officially, officially dead and dead it and deaded. Yeah, under these rocks, she got got. I was like, yeah, that's right, bitch. You needed the closure, and this was it. Yeah, you, you yeah. just felt good that she was gone. Yeah, because you, you, everybody knows that I didn't, that I, that I didn't love the death scene for her. Everybody does know that now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and this was this at least gave me a little something to actually see her dead body. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, I see. I lost that the second that Danny went Mad Queen. I lost all my. Uh, Cersei joy. Like any joy I would have had in seeing her go down was mm-hmm. gone the second Danny was actually more evil than her. I'm very good at car- car- compartmentalizing and I will uh, also f- 
f- fight anybody to th- to the death that still th- that thinks that Daenerys is more evil than Cersei. Oh, yeah. What? I'll, I'll argue. What? I can argue that all day. It, you you talked a lot in the last week or two about hills you'll die on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> don't die on that hill, Barrett. She burned the children alive. Tens of thousands of children. That's my Jon Snow. Okay, but call me when she uh, poisons somebody's daughter and then chains up their mom and, and is going to feed them every single day so that they can watch the body rot for the rest of their lives. Good argument. Man, those bitches deserved it, though. <laughs> uh, Tyrion gets really... Like it's different. I'm, they're both I bad. I understand. But, they're, but, they, but like the... Like the Danny's a crazy, a, a, a crazy narcissist that thinks she's a world conqueror now. Okay, and is not going to let anything stand in the way, including the deaths of many innocent people. By the way, I did just watch Avengers: Infinity War. A lot of uh, kind of some Thanos going on there. Um, Cersei is just like a completely evil, spiteful, hateful, terrible, awful. Human. So it's it's their motivations for you that separate them. And I, I'll, yes. I'll say this from yes. that from that standpoint. It's hard to argue that Danny's worse because her motivations are at least, while insane, at least rooted in reality. Cersei's just a, just ki- killing indiscriminately to continue her reign. That's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, also Cersei didn't kill as many people when she blew up the Sept of Valor, but she did burn like a, a few thousand people alive with the wildfire. Far so fewer she, children. So, so she kind of did this, did a similar thing. So, sure, but there were way less kids at the. They, you don't take kids to That's court. That's you know true. what I mean. There yeah. weren't there weren't that many children That's there. That's fair. We pan out one last time to this beautiful shot of all the brick and Jamie holding Cersei and Tyrion crying over them. So I guess you've sort of already answered this question, Barrett. They're, how they're this how Cersei and Jamie's death scene aged for you? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this really helped it. Like this solidified the way they died. Like I, I was concerned showing their bodies would even further muddy their deaths, mm-hmm. but I think it really it made it more impactful. And especially like having Tyrion find the bodies, I think was a good storytelling move. It's not often these past couple episodes in particular. Where something happens where I'm like, ooh, I like that. I like that choice they made there. Mm-hmm. Good writing, good writing. It's usually, oh, oh, fuck, what are you thinking? Why? Yeah. Uh, bad writing, bad writing. Jon Snow, why? North, what, what? The, there's a Night's Watch? Uh, no, I, li- I liked it too. Uh, t- while I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I-, I was simply like clarifying like the emotion that I saw. Oh, no, I know. Cer- Cersei in particular's dead body. Of course. I really liked the decision here. Um, awesome scene from Peter Dinklage, especially like, the weight of this, especially seeing his brother dead, like that, that his brother didn't make it. He wants that one more Emmy in this scene, real bad. Um, was really, I mean, it was it was good acting, and and I do, I will say that, uh, yes, I do think that seeing them down there crushed under the rocks added a little bit to the original death scene. Yeah. Um, and and, and from 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 a storytelling perspective. Having Jamie die, for see for from Jamie's side, I kind of like it all mm-hmm. that he got to, that he died with Cersei, the one like the person that he the really the only person that he truly loved. It's weird. I mean, he loved Tyrion it, too. I it guess it feels but, like his his it worked as a death for him more than her. Yeah, for me, yes, absolutely. In terms of being satisfying, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah one, one thing that was confusing to me when we watched them die, 
it seems as if the whole building is coming down around them. And then Tyrion finds like one pile of bricks, albeit a large pile uh, with them underneath it. And is like walking around very easily down. Yeah. So this is obviously one of the one of the nits that is easy to pick that he just strolls down there. And there's just like some a few piles of rocks. Down yeah, because it looked like the there whole doesn't build. seem to be like a ceiling missing either. Right. Which so we literally watched it cascaded toward them that's the problem so they used that effect it's still dark in there which means that like it's he's still enclosed it's covered right building seems basically intact like some maybe a few you know batches of bricks fell out of the ceiling or whatever but yeah for the most part it looks intact where when we were watching the scene unfold it looked like it was going down right and as it as it unfolded uh in the bells uh, you also would have thought that they were way more buried than they were. Yeah, he's too, he's literally two bricks deep. Yeah. J- Cersei's face so is it, one was, brick it, it, Kind of like, now, I mean, again. We're it, picking nits. We're picking nits because for the story, they needed Tyrion to be able to see the golden hand and get that scene where he finds them. It was tight. Totally get it. I loved it. I um, loved it. I thought this was great. But yes, from the amount of bricks on top of them, it's kind of like, oh, man, well, maybe maybe that wouldn't have killed him. I just <laughs> wish they would have taken the time for like the, even the little shit like, look, there were going to be some some things, but just taking the time for me, oh, well, we, maybe we get some more bricks and stack them up here to make it a little more realistic. <laughs> I just I just wish. Anyway, next we're with Arya. She's walking around. She sees all the Dothraki going ham, celebrating. Uh, I'm, again, shocked by the amount of Dothraki that seem to be alive. I know it's 50% or whatever, but, dude, go back and watch that episode three and tell me that half the fucking Dothraki should still be alive. That's insane. <laughs> they sent 100% of them directly into the jaws of death. Uh, then we go to John and we see his face. He's, he's pretty <laughs> distraught, maybe even slightly disturbed, scared even. I, I thought I saw... a. At least a twinge of fear in John. Oh, he's got to be scared. As man. he's making his way past all the Unsullied mm-hmm. um, and in front of that big-ass staircase where he's going to find Danny. Where are we here, Barrett? By the way, I was like trying to figure out what part of the city this was. Have we seen it before? I don't think we've seen this it's before. It's a badass spot. Yeah, it was cool. They were like, all right, we need a 500-step staircase for mm-hmm. Danny to come. I guess they, whatever. Um he makes his way past all the Unsullied. There's this massive Targaryen banner hanging with the red Targaryen sigil. I uh, I hate that this is a comparison we continue to draw. But if that didn't give you like the feeling of seeing the swastika in Nazi Reich's Germany, because yeah. they would have those massive Third Reich banners that they put up, it it just struck. It rung. It rung Nazi Germany to me again. I, I know the Hitler comparison is not fair, but. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, look, he's the most it, it, hated and feared dictator of all time. He's it's certainly, it, it, I think some of it, I think the undertones were definitely there. Even the presentation of like her, like up, bit up high on this like big staircase, very like dictator. looking down, like it was very, it was meant to evoke some serious like dictatorial conquering, like kind of madman stuff uh, or madwoman stuff. Um, yeah. Dick. Uh, also... I like it. <laughs> also, um, yeah. she's decked out in black. Oh, which is yes. so, Which is something that I, that, that I kind of called. And the, the black, the all black kind of like matte leather look also, also evokes some of that. It does. Now that's, now I don't think... You don't see a lot of dictators dressed up in bright spring colors. No. Or white either. No. And... I don't know, maybe some Middle Eastern ones. I feel like when I feel like when Borat did that, or uh, when Sasha Baron Cohen did that movie called The Dictator, 
He's like all wearing. He's always wearing white suits. My wife. My wife. You made me. Um, so that's on you. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm sorry. What was I going to say? Oh, like in the, the outfit it, to go just to. I'm I'm bringing up Marvel today for some reason, but in the er, one in a couple of the early Captain America movies and in, in the canon of that, the bad dudes are. Are like Third Reich dudes. They're okay. Nazi. They're like alien skeleton Nazi people. What? And sounds they, fucking awesome. I and, can't wait to watch this. They all wear like they're all decked out in like black leather stuff. Tight. So that it kind of there's some there are some undertones of of that for sure. It has been argued that the the Nazi aesthetic was the best of all the uh, dictatorships that have ever existed. Has it been? Has it that has been, been argued? argued. Not by me. Not by I would never argue that. But other people have argued that. <laughs> uh, anyway, John uh, makes his way to the top of the weird stairs. thing to argue, but okay. Yeah, hey, other people have argued that their aesthetic was just yeah, like really uh, just good, a though. good aesthetic. The Nazis. But Danny is uh, Danny, destroyer of King's Landing, as you said, in all black. Uh, they, dude, the effect, Drogon's wings spreading directly behind her, making her almost look like a fucking demon. Just like, Aah! that was gnarly. Uh, then he takes flight as, as she walks toward her people, and we get this epic shot of her from behind, the one from the trailer, with her beautifully braided hair. Uh, her face is, like, so white, but she looks extremely composed. Right, I thought there might be a little like they took her off the rails here. No, mm. she looks like classic Danny, extremely composed, and then she speaks in Valyrian, uh, which I might add again gives more dictator vibes. Here. Oh yeah, uh, here's her speech. Danny says, "Blood of my blood, you kept all your promises to me. You killed my enemies in their iron suits. You tore down their stone houses. You gave me the seven kingdoms." And Drogon lands on some rubble and lets out a roar. The Dothraki go batshit, and she continues, "Torgo Nudo," which just sounds like an order at Uchi. You have walked beside me since the Plaza of Pride. You were the bravest of men, the most loyal of soldiers. I name you commander of all my forces, the queen's master of war. And the Unsullied start doing that like dope staff stomp thing that mm-hmm. happens in so many movies. Uh, she turns to the Unsullied as Tyrion actually is approaching her from behind. And it should be noted, John is just standing there sort of off to the side. He's certainly at her side. Yes. Seemingly going along with all this, which well, was pretty shocking to me, Barrett. This was not this was not shocking to me. Really? Yeah, because in this situation, you have to you gotta protect yourself. I first. just I here's the pro I got the feeling in last episode that when John's like, We have to retreat, pull back, I thought he was like, All right, it's time to collect our forces and mm-hmm. we're gonna have to mount an attack on this chick. I didn't think he was like Pull back out of the city just because it's on fire, but we're still going to be with Danny. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't as surprising to me because he really, really wants to, like, keep this oath just like the Stark dudes do, yep. you know? Like, this is the queen that he swore fealty to. He really wants to, like, make it happen to, like, for things to be okay. Yeah, and all those and then, annoying lines like, she's my queen, she's the queen, it's the queen, uh, those really started to make sense a little bit. Not yeah, necessarily sure. in this scene for me, but like a little bit further into the episode, you start to really feel like he was so tired, I think, and just, he had gone all in on this woman, and he wanted so badly for it to pan out and for her to maybe turn back right. toward the light, yep. and it just, it just didn't happen for him, you know? Yeah, so... And so the other part of that is I think that he also knew – we talked about how he's like a little – you can tell that the fear is there now, mm-hmm. though. He oh, knows it's a that different he, type he, of yeah. – yeah. And 
if you just retreat and then try to like mount some type of attack, like you're all just going to get flamed. Oh, dragon, the dragon right. is and the they problem. Got, they got all the screamers and all the unsullied still hanging out. They would have got wrecked. Who are more motivated and you know psyched up than ever. Yes. So I think a lot of this is just kind of like self preservation. Oh, like that's... we got we got to figure. I'm going to figure out what to do here. But for now, I am still the right hand, like the right yeah. hand man. It was crazy seeing him and Tyrion, who I because you that you nailed it on the head. They don't have another option except for to sort of continue to go along with the crazy lady yeah. at this point. Yes. And I mean, literally, it, it, if they had gone and done option B, which is to take the forces outside and then mount up and ride against the Unsullied and Drogon, they are all going to die um, pretty quickly, as we've seen. They would have all died. This is the only option, and it's a terrifying one because you feel like either of them could die and be destroyed <laughs> at any moment by yes, Danny. We don't totally. know what her mindset is here. Uh, so she continues in Valerian. Unsullied, all of you were torn from your mother's arms and raised as slaves. Now you are liberators. You have freed the people of King's Landing from the grip of a tyrant. But the war is not over. Oh, no. She says, we will not lay down our spears until we have liberated all the people of the world. Oh, <laughs> oh no. From Winterfell to Dorne. Winterfell is the first one she named. Mm -hmm. From Lannisport to Carth. By the way, they show John when she says Winterfell. They show Tyrion when she says Lannisport. From the Summer Isles to the Jade Sea, women, men, and children have suffered too long beneath the wheel. Will you break the wheel with me? And Drogon just fucking, ah! The unsullied spear stomp thing is just out of control. And Danny at this point, looks blackout drunk on power. Like, her face, dude, as she's soaking in like, I fucking did it. This is my world. I want more. This, the, the fact that she's immediately on to, we're going to, it's not this, isn't it? We're going to conquer everybody. Uh, if you had ho held out any hope for Danny surviving, I think that line for me was the, now I'm sure she's done. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's accurate. And um, some great, some great little nuggets in here. Like I, it was, I loved that. I love that she says we're going to liberate all of these places. We're it's liberating like, everyone. Because it's full, it's that full like turn of the brain. It's delusion, like, bro. Into delusion. Yeah. Where, you where, now, where now, where once she was actually liberating slave people. Yes. Now, liber now liberating to her is going to be you bend the knee and immediately like give respect or you die or you, or your entire She's a conqueror. city dies. So now she, she has mixed yes. up liberating and conquering. Right, which they usually do. They really do. Uh, I need to do, I, I didn't have a ton of time last night to do like conqueror research, but she's now like, she's basically Genghis Khan or Attila the Hun or Alexander the Great. Like she is now so thirsty for power and, and, and believes That's in, right. in, in her version of what the world should look like so emphatically that she won't stop at anything. Here's the thing that, that I wish there was more to it. Her version of what the world should look like, the only specific I'm aware of is that it involves her at the top. Yes. And I think, again, I, like... She's never like, the, we're going to feed all the people. The lack of specifics, though, I think is actually a nod towards... Her lack of understanding. Well, and all these other predecessors in history that we can, that we can kind of compare to, like... All of them, just at the end of the day, all they really wanted was to be the ruler of all of it. They never do the things they say Yeah, anyway. it didn't matter what that vision looked like as long as they were 
right. s- the, the seat of power as long as they were the one making the decisions. Yeah, I wish she had just given us like one platform point though. Like, we're going to feed all the kids in Flea Bottom. Yeah. Just one platform <laughs> point to make me believe like she really does think she's doing yeah. good. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of just roasting everyone. Anyway, Tyrion starts to step forward and John is just like, oh, for the love of God. Uh, and she turns and, looks, turns and looks at Tyrion and she says, you freed your brother. You committed treason. And Tyrion says, I freed my brother and you slaughtered a city. And I was like, oh God, please no, not my boy. And Danny looks at him in disbelief. He pulls the hand of the queen pin from his chest and throws it down the <laughs> stairs. And the awkward staff stomping comes to a, a, a stop. And Danny looks at him like she's literally about to burst into flames herself. And then she just says, take him in Valyrian. <coughs> and Tyrion walks off under his own power. Right past John, who does nothing, who says nothing, who protests 0.0%. It's just, it's not that that was like a, I'm not complaining about that as a point in the story, which is very hard to watch. Uh, John turns back and looks at Danny, who is now staring directly at him. It was like the first like <laughs> moment of the episode where you're like, okay, Danny's fucking lost it. Also important to remember, and we're we're about to get to this scene, but even though John has halted the sexual relationship, sexual with Daenerys, yes, he's still in love with her. That doesn't just end because of of the realization, right? You and I believe you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. And they and they really did try to frame up like this. It, it hits hard in their scene later on. Totally, where you're like, shit. It's 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 a more complicated situation than just lust or 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 even love. Like it's not even normal love because there's there's a he truly believed in her as did Tyrion. Yes, and there's love that comes with that level of belief in a human. Right. It's not about just physical or, or or even sexual love. It's about belief more than anything, I think. And mm-hmm. he loved her for what she stood for, what she could have been, what she should have been to him. And uh, that's heartbreaking, obviously. So, yeah, uh, John just watches as Danny walks away with a unit of unsullied bodyguards. Because um, she just, dude, she looks at him and she walks off without a word almost to say, like, how does it feel? Because that's what he kept doing to her in episode three-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd be in a room and she'd be like, all right, we're finally going to get to have that talk. And then he'd be like, and deuces. She does that to him here. And it's kind of like, you're either with me or I'm going to roast you too, bro. That's essentially the message. It's like, you're yeah. either with me or against me. No more half measures. No more bullshit. I'm sick of people on my squad freeing other people on my squad <laughs> who I'm trying to hold prisoner. Enough <laughs> is enough. I will kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well put. <laughs> yeah. So Arya sneaks up right beside John and he's like, God damn it, Arya, what are you doing here? What, what? She sidles. This is a classic sidle. Yeah, she sidles up right next to him. Yeah. Real good. It's the thing that uh, I can't remember which of the commentators is. He slides onto the screen every NFL game. You know, they kept putting this on Instagram. He he like fucking sidles up oh, onto the screen. And, and Collinsworth. Yeah, Collinsworth. Yeah. Co- Collinsworth. Thank you, Barrett. <laughs> Thank you for saving me from the- Chris uh, Collinsworth. Yeah. They, he does that thing where he slides on. Anyway, um- Arya explains, I came to kill Cersei. Your queen got there first, and she looks genuinely disappointed. They watch Danny walking away together, and Danny's got like this unit. And then there's just this little girl walking in this unit of Unsullied. John says, She's everyone's queen now. And you're just like, God damn it, John. Stop saying things like that. Even if you believe them, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> and Arya's like, Try telling Sansa that. Then John says, 
Wait for me outside the city gates. I'll come find you. She grabs him and, like, changes the plan before that can be what happens. But what was the plan here? What was he about to do? Wait for me outside the city gates. I'll come find you. It almost sounded like he was like, we clearly need to escape. Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. I I think he was... I think maybe just to have to continue the conversation maybe. was the implication. Okay, maybe. Like, we can't talk here. Right, okay. Kind of thing. Perhaps. Like, we got to get, like, let's go somewhere more discreet. Huh. I got, like, a, we're all getting the hell out of here. It was weird. But yeah. she, it doesn't matter. She grabs him and says, John, she knows who you are, who you really are. You'll always be a threat to her, and I know a killer when I see one. Oh, yeah, Arya? You know a killer when you see one? She just burned several hundred <laughs> thousand people alive. Very perceptive. Oh, wait, let's double check with Arya. She knows a killer when she sees one. Hey, Arya, is Danny a killer? That was a bad line. So from there, we're with John going to visit Tyrion in captivity. And he's in like a random room, probably because most of the jail cells and shit were further down in King's Uh Landing and got collapsed on or whatnot. Uh, Barrett, this conversation's long, but to me, maybe the most important in the episode. So jump in at any point as we go through it. Okay. Tyrion asks, did you bring any wine? John says no. And he's like, ah, well, thank you for coming to see me. Our queen doesn't keep prisoners for long. I suppose there's a crude kind of justice. I betrayed my closest friend and watched him burn. Now Varys's ashes can tell my ashes. See, I told you. It just occurred to me. I'm talking to the only man alive who knows where I'm going. So is there life after death? And John's like, not that I've seen. Tyrion says, I should be thankful. Oblivion is the best I could hope for. I strangled my lover. I shot my own father with a crossbow. I betrayed my queen. John's like, you didn't. He's like, I did, and I'd do it again now that I've seen what I've seen. I chose my fate. The people of King's Landing did not. Barrett, this conversation here between between mm. Tyrion and John, I, it made me think Tyrion was was on the way out, obviously. When he's kind of rehashing all of his crimes, yep. you get you, you start to think, maybe this is it. Yeah. Maybe we really are going to lose little man. I surely thought that that it was a strong possibility. One of John's worst this episode. worst lines in the episode uh, follows: "I can't justify what happened. I won't try. But the war is over now. Uh, you can't justify what happened. Like it was. Just, I first watched through, especially I was shocked by the reaction from all of our main characters at the at the beginning of the front of this episode." Sort of just going along with all the Danny stuff, and as as I watched it again a second time, Barry, it started to feel a little more like we just explained. Yeah, I, like they didn't have a choice. But the first watch through, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like you expected more immediate resistance. outrage and resistance. Yes, I expected yeah. somebody to be like, "This is fucked." Yeah, you I killed I, children, lady. I think that I, I thought it was actually all really well done. Tyrion is our avatar for that because he goes and sees his dead brother and sister. Okay, that makes so sense. he's got like even more motivation to be like, "Fuck it!" Like I, this is, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not standing by. I, I'm that you know, throws the hand yeah. like the pen. Meanwhile, John and Davos and all these other guys, like, I, I don't know. Like, just imagine yourself being in the situation and you and. One wrong word from you, and you're, you're done, de- and you're dead. Grey Worm's out here cutting throats left and right. Drogon sitting up behind Danny, just like ready for a snack. Whew. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that that There's is a lot like, there. Just the fear alone is keeping these people a, a little, a little bit stationary, a little bit in line, like not sure exactly what to do. And then again, like it, with this scene. By the way, I loved this scene between John oh. and Tyrion. Like this was 
This great, is I thought there was stuff. three or four scenes in the episode that, in a way, for me, saved it. Yeah. This is one of them. Um, because I just think we get so much good stuff here. And even if it's a little bit of, you know, some of it is exposition. Some of it is kind of like actually addressing the things that people have been talking about, like Tyrion gets to here in a second. Because I can't be the only one. What does exposition mean? Uh, like, like kind of telling you things in a way that is like maybe not realistic to life, but they're explaining it on screen. Okay. Fair enough. So like when Tyrion gets to the list of things that she's done. Okay. Got it. That's something that literally has been all over Twitter, right? Like the argument about did those things that she did to the evil evil men. How crazy was that that he like addressed the yeah. meme? It was like he saw the meme and right. then addressed it because that was all over Twitter, all yeah. over Instagram. The things she had done, that list of the three or four. So things. you know, a lot like a lot of people were saying like these were all these these things where she did all of this uh-huh. butchering were 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 clues, were signs. Right. And then the other half, which included me, was like, yeah, but these were all like justifiable atrocities, basically. atrocities, because all these dudes were just as evil or just or equally. Well, they, Danny, we didn't even think she was evil. So they were just all super evil, bad dudes that got what they had coming. Yes. And so Tyrion like lays that all out. Yeah, dude, this this conversation when he gets into like, but the war is over now. And Tyrion says, is it? When you heard her talking to her soldiers, did she sound like someone who's done fighting? It's like, yeah, that's that right there is a, uh, what's a question that you're not meant to answer? Rhetorical. Thank you. That's a rhetorical question, John. (laughs) Tyrion then says, she liberated the people of Slaver's Bay. She liberated the people of King's Landing. She'll go on liberating until the people of the world are free and she rules them all. And John's like, yo, yo, you've been counseling her. Weird line from John. Tyrion says, until today, yeah, Varys was right, I was wrong. It was vanity to think I could guide her. Our queen's nature is fire and blood. There's been a lot of complaining from you and I in in particular. Not complaining like the style we've come to be annoyed by the last couple weeks, but complaining like we were just hoping Tyrion would start to make better decisions over the past couple years, Mm -hmm. like error after error. They did a good job for me in this episode of explaining away the reason why he couldn't get the fucking job done. And we'll get to that more yeah, in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, John says, you think our house words are stamped on our bodies when we're born and that's who we are? Then I'd be fire and blood too. She's not her father, no more than your Tywin Lannister. And Tyrion responds, my father was an evil man. My sister was an evil woman. Pile up all the bodies of all the people they ever killed there still won't be half as many as our beautiful queen slaughtered in a single day. John says, Cersei left her no choice. And Tyrion says, the moment the gates fell, the battle was over. John's like, she saw her friend beheaded. She saw a dragon shot out of the sky. And Tyrion replies, and she burned down a city for it. John's like, aye, it's easy to judge when you're standing far from the battlefield. And Tyrion's like, oh yeah, would you have done it? And John's like, what? He's like, would you have done it? You've been up there. On a dragon's back, you've had that power. Would you have burned the city down? And John pauses like, is there something smart I can say here? This conversation is not going well. He's like, I don't know. And Tyrion says, yes, you do. You won't say it because you don't want to betray her. This this just all goes back to like, look, when people's worldviews are shaken by something, it is incredibly hard to accept Yes. When you've believed in something for a significant period of time, or even if, if it's a short period of time, you've, but you've been extremely p- 
passionate and dedicated about the belief and you were beyond certain in its in its nature in the in the you know in that this belief in, the movement, in, yeah. the, in that this belief was right that it was the right thing that it was the best decision and then that comes crashing down that is not an easy thing to accept for anybody it takes time especially if you also happen to be in love with said belief and having <laughs> sex with her and yeah. she's your aunt also yeah. you know what i mean like this is this is it's complicated i i di- I, I didn't bristle at john's reaction to any of this because it totally made like it's like real life sense. It like started to it, hit better. It even like even though he just watched her do that, like it's pretty easy to to see how somebody would could try to start rationalizing it in the immediate after. And they're all so tired. You have to keep in mind, it's like they chose this woman, they've gone this far, and they're right there at the doorstep to what they all wanted. But then she snaps. Yeah. And of course it's difficult for him to accept how horribly wrong this has gone. And in, in in all likelihood, partially, the other thing he has to accept is what he's going to have to do, which yeah. is what we're about to get into. Um, T- Tyrion, in the in the previous episode, where he doesn't want to believe Varys, where he turns Varys in, essentially. Yeah. And then Jon, who uh, you know is leading the Northern Army into this siege of King's Landing. I think those two things kind of play into it as well, because they feel... Once you feel complicit in something, mm-hmm. it's also harder to back away from it. To back away from it because you know that you were that now you're a part of it. You kind right. of you were kind of a part of it, even if you didn't know. Even if you couldn't really see like what was going what on. Was, no, what for was sure, it's that's absolutely a beautiful assessment of it. He feels like in in his own way, he's partially responsible. Right. He's part of the problem. Yeah. While identifying it as a problem. Yeah. John says, what does it matter what I do? Tyrion says, it matters more than anything. When she murdered the slavers of Astapor, I'm sure no one but the slavers complained. After all, they were evil men. When she crucified hundreds of Miranese nobles, who could argue they were evil men? The Dothraki Kals she burned alive. They would have done worse to her. Everywhere she goes, evil men die, and we cheer her for it. And she grows more powerful and more sure that she is good and right. She believes her destiny is to build a better world for everyone. If you believed that, if you truly believed it, wouldn't you kill whoever stood between you and paradise? And John sits down, face in his hands, just frustrated. Tyrion says, I know you love her. I love her too. Not as successfully as you, <laughs> but I believed in her with all my heart. Love is more powerful than reason. We all know that. And again, this is your explanation for all of Tyrion's trash decisions for the look on the ship at the end of season seven that was indeed because of the reason so many believed it was, he in fact loved Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, and I never bought that, even for a second, and I was wrong. And it's I think it is partially that love that Baird and I are describing about. It's its not just the he loves her and wants to marry her, right? Oh, yeah. He loves it's, her as a person and as a as a as yeah. an icon almost and an yeah. idol. And I think, I think certainly there was some of that like... You know, uh, did he have a crush on Danny too? Like, yeah, yeah it's, for sure. This line confirms that I think. Yeah. Um, but but it, but absolutely, it was. He also loved her because of how much he believed in her. Yeah, and uh, man, I just this episode had me thinking back actually to th- the episode I think in season six where Daenerys makes Tyrion her hand. Yeah. And they have that conversation in Marine, I believe. And he basically says, like, 
like you're you're in the great game now and the great game is terrifying and, and the great game is terrifying and like i just i want to say throne room of dragonstone but i could be wrong Go no that that was over that was they had not sailed to westeros yet oh, when okay. she makes him hand okay okay yeah i, I just the, those were such powerful moments, and I and I, I cannot imagine that anybody out there didn't love that scene and didn't feel like great for Daenerys. And I I, I don't know. I'm just I I continue to think about that because it's just really tragic. What like like what the the turn that it took and 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 that wasn't that long ago. Babe. I don't know. I just I just feel for I it, it's it's easy to feel for both of these dudes sitting here in this situation. Yeah. Because what happened before was so meaningful and did seem to be so good. It felt, it did feel like we were, were doing, doing it. the right thing. Like we were all going to be doing it, yeah. baby. We were going to do it. We were going to make the world a better place. Right. We were going to, we got, we got the dream team built here. Yeah. Tyrion is her hand. This is happening. We're going. Yep. And then it, and then it all just, it just falls the hell apart here, which is a, which is a shame. And that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, Tyrion continues. He's, he's uh, of course speaking still to the fact that, uh, Loving, you don't get to choose who you love. Essentially, he says, "Look at my brother." John says, love. "And then it's the death of reason." Yeah, as well. John says, "Love is the death of duty." And Tyrion's like, "You just came up with that." He says, "Maester Aemon said it a long time ago." And then Tyrion says, "Sometimes duty is the death of love." And then he gets into his real serious pitch: "You are the shield that guards the realms of men, and you've always tried to do the right thing, no matter the cost. You've tried to protect people. Who is the greatest threat to the people now?" It's a terrible thing I'm asking. It's also the right thing. Do you think I'm the last man she'll execute? Who is more dangerous than the rightful heir to the Iron Throne? And John says, that's her decision. She is the queen. God damn it, John. <laughs> uh, he pats Tyrion on the shoulder and says, I'm sorry it came to this. Then he starts to walk out, t- knocks on the door for the guards to come. But Tyrion has more. He says, and your sisters? Do you see them bending the knee? Thank you. I thought this was a, it was another one of those moments where I was like, yes, good writing. Thank you. That's a good point that any logical fucking person mm-hmm. would make in this situation. And John says, my sisters will be loyal to the throne. And Tyrion's like, why do you think Sansa told me the truth about you? And Barrett, just to be clear, uh, this is in reference to the balcony scene <laughs> earlier this season, I believe in episode four, where Sansa told Tyrion that John had in fact been stabbed and died and been brought back to life, correct? Uh, no, that's very confusing. Oh, of, of oh. You. that is where she tells him on the uh, on the balcony there on the bridge oh. that he is in fact the trueborn son of of uh, Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark and Lyanna Stark oh, and the rightful heir okay. to the Iron Throne. Wow, yes. I don't know how I could have been. So yes, confused. yeah. In all yeah. seriousness, Tyrion asks, "Why do you think Sansa told me the truth about you? Because she doesn't want Danny to be queen." And Jon's like, "She doesn't get to choose," and he's like, "No, but you do." And you have to choose now. And then John walks out. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Me Undies. You probably spend about 90% of your life in underwear, so don't you think you owe it to yourself to make sure you're wearing the softest undies in town? That's why Barrett and I only wear Me Undies. These undies are so soft, they make Bob Ross's voice sound like Gilbert Gottfried. Me Undies uses, uses the coveted micro-modal fabric, which is a full three times softer than cotton. Not only will you feel like your loins are being wrapped and hugged by joy itself, but Me Undies gives you multiple style options for both men and women. Men can try the new boxer brief with fly 
which is the same great cut as the boxer brief, but now with an added option for guys who prefer to go through the gate versus under the fence. MeUndies is also the go-to for the softest loungewear on the planet. Hang out in their super comfy lounge pants and onesies. Yes, MeUndies makes onesies. They are incredible. Uh, MeUndies has a great offer just for the Clam Fam. For any first-time purchasers, when you get MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. 15% off, Clam Fam, the most comfortable undies you will ever own. I have some on right now, Barrett. Yeah? Right now. Damn, then you must, I mean, you just must be sitting on cloud nine. I am. I am. TMI. <laughs> but to get your first, uh, to get 15% off your first pair, free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash dragon. Dragon. That's MeUndies.com slash dragon. So John is walking out past all the unsullied guards, thinking over the conversation that he had with Tyrion. He sees the ash and snow, or maybe both, or maybe one or the other, raining down on him. As uh, he walks through the rubble, and he approaches the Red Keep, and then Drogon rises up from that pile that we spoke to earlier, whether it be ash or just snow or both, and he leans in to kind of check on who John is, like he smells him, like he's the bouncer, and he approves his Targaryenness <laughs> and lets John pass, and then he curls up and goes back to sleep. It was like exactly like my dog waking up from a nap, like being sh- shaken from a dream, and coming over to me, sniffing me to make sure it's still me, and then going right back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Next thing we see is Danny walking through the Red Keep and into the throne room. Uh, this is a, a, a walk she's been looking forward to her entire life. She keeps her eyes locked on the chair as she enters through the doorway. The ceiling and most of the back wall and some of the side wall, too, is torn away. Uh, again, snow, ash raining down. It mirrors exactly that scene from the House of the Undying it that does. she had in season two, which is really wild shit. Having seen the place that she would inevitably eventually die that long ago and having seen the exact same circumstances in terms of the room's like destruction and just a huge moment. Yeah. And and back to the vision, by the way, in the in the vision, she continues right out of that throne room. Yeah, she does, and she goes and right walks to, in to to death, essentially. The afterlife sort yeah. of is what it, the yeah. implication is with Cal Drogo and her uh, unborn son. Yeah. Yeah. So eight seasons now, uh, Daenerys Targaryen has been seeking her throne, her birthright, her destiny, and we get some very peaceful but powerful like halo music playing as she mm, starts to walk yep. towards the throne. It's like, oh. <laughs> uh, we get a shot of her walking from the side with the wall missing behind her that was really, really cool. And then finally she arrives. She climbs the steps. The music turns sort of ominous, but the halo oh, continues. And her eyes light up, like literally. She looks crazed as she beholds the throne firsthand from just feet away, like Ralphie on Christmas morning when he unwraps his Red Rider BB gun, if Ralphie was a homicidal, power-hungry maniac. And she reaches and touches the hilt of one of the swords on the throne. The music grows more and more powerful and shit. We see Jon Snow now in the background. And then when Danny turns to finally take her seat for the first time, she sees Jon Snow back there. And uh, she's kind of like... she I, She almost... She's almost so disconnected from reality at this point that what should have been like a sort of startling moment for her, like, whoa, John's here. Uh, still not sure about what to make of this guy. Yeah. She instead is like, isn't it glorious, John? Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. I behold she, it with me. Yeah, I think she's she's very... She's derailed. Yeah, and she's got her guard down right now, too. I think in the throne room, seeing Caught up in it, the moment. She's caught up in the moment. Drogon is outside, so she feels protected. Um, and I also, uh, you know, you, you could ask a lot what, why Daenerys wasn't, you know, with her, like essentially like her mental, her mental break and, uh, increasing paranoia 
about people betraying her since Varys just Varys just did. And Tyrion just threw the, the, the pin off of, you know, down the stairs. A lot of, uh, what is it, desertion? Desert, desert, whatever. There's a lot, a lot of, people of people deserting her. Yeah, and right? going against what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Um, but I think here again, love is playing a part in this. This is, uh, regardless of whether she, you know, there's people warning John about, look, sh- dude, she's going to see you as a threat now. Right. But she's not there yet. Like that might, that's something that might increasingly take hold. Sure. As things continue to kind of unravel and as she continues to conquer more and more places and, and, and maybe there's, you know, there's some dissension from John, right? It's, it's certainly like a small piece to the puzzle in her mind right, right. now, but it is not but the it's focus. Not, yeah. It's not the focus. She, she still loves John just as he loves her. Yeah. She's still waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of like if he'll actually be a threat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's even when she uh, just his walk into this room, it's like his strut. You could kind of sense he was in not mm-hmm. not attack mode. I don't want to say attack mode, but this was not the calm, normal Jon Snow walk. No, I think he knew. Now, I don't think he knew what he was going to have to do when he entered the room, but I think he knew it was one of the two options. Like it was probably going to have to happen. I don't yes. know that he had made the decision. As we see, he still makes a very last ditch effort he to try to save to not her. do it yeah <laughs> and 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 she just doesn't have it so let, yeah. let's walk through this because it's it's probably the biggest moment in the history of the show so danny's staring at the throne and says when i was a girl my brother told me it was made with 1000 swords from aegon's fallen enemies what do 1000 swords look like in the mind of a little girl who can't count to 20 i imagined a mountain of swords too high to climb so many fallen enemies you could see the soles of you could only see the soles of aegon's feet this was a cool nod to the books uh, in which the throne is described as such, and the illustrations you'll find online from fans and whatnot are all gnarly and massive and wild. I mean, yep. thousands of swords make up the make up the uh, actual throne. So, and that's that's a germ description, right? Yes, that the actual throne actually is like thousands of wild and massive and impressive. I want to say there's an illustration in the first book of the throne, and it's insane. Mm. Like a forty steps to get up to it type of situation, not five, mm. and then it's like a thousand swords, not fifty or whatever. Um. Anyway, I do recommend looking up those pictures. They're cool shit. John says. Yeah, so I saw them executing Lannister prisoners in the street. Uh, they said they were acting on your orders. What's up with that? And Danny's like, it was necessary. He's like, necessary? Have you been down there? Have you seen children, little children burned? And Danny's like, I tried to make peace with Cersei. She used their innocence as a weapon against me. She thought it would cripple me. Uh, and John immediately accepts that answer. He says, and Tyrion? Now, let me, let me be clear. The answer she gives about Cersei, that I tried to make peace with Cersei, she used their innocence as a weapon against me, she thought it would cripple me, that's just such a bad answer that I think in part it confirmed for John what he was going to have to do. I don't think he protests because that's so disconnected and insane that there's no sense in arguing. He's just like, all right, let's see what her reasoning let's is. Let's go for to this. the next thing. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. Tyrion? And then she's like... Uh, he conspired behind my back with my enemies. How have you treated people who have done the same with you, even when it broke your heart? And John's begs her, forgive him. She says, I can't. And then he throws one last Hail Mary. He's like, you can, though. You can forgive all of them. Make them see they made a mistake. Make them understand. Please, Danny. And really what he's asking for here is for her to make him see that they're all wrong and make him understand that she's not the Mad Queen that everyone else now thinks that she is. But she says, quote, we can't hide behind small mercies. 
the world we need won't be built by men loyal to the world we have. And John's like, we need mercy. The world we need is a world of mercy. It has to be. And she's like, and it will be. And then she steps up real close to him and gets this like perfectly delusional look in her eye. Not like full-blown psycho. Not like hateful or spiteful or angry or mad. Just perfectly delusional and like clearly sick. And she says, it's not easy to see something that's never been seen or been before. A good world. Yeah. um, Man, we we talked a little bit about this when we went live last night. But I, I loved... This was so good to me because... You get the scene with her out on the steps and she is in full on like crazy, like terrifying conqueror leader mode. Like you can rallying, almost hear the Rallying music. the troops, like <laughs> pounding her, <laughs> pounding her fist, like rally, you know, really yeah. like speaking to what they're about to go do. And you kind of get the, you understand how devastating it's going to be for, for anybody that doesn't immediately bend the knee out yeah. there she was like dwight Schrute at that conference Ex- yes exactly yes banging of the fists on the yeah. exactly yeah. that is what i had in, <laughs> that's what i had in that's mind. one of my favorite episodes um of the office and then in here behind closed doors with this person that she loves she is able to immediately like turn back on like the calm original like daenerys charm and like you said there's an edge to it no there's, there's for sure because she's because what she's what she's now where she is now she is calm because she's so clear on like th- on the vision at this point, and it's a, it's a psycho vision, right? But it is a very clear psycho vision in her she head. She is like like th- essentially up on the wall with the dragon, about to make the decision. Mm-hmm. She's still torn. Yeah, she is upset. She's depressed. She is she's lost everybody and everything. Do I accept it? Do she I doesn't fight it. Like she's not. I don't think she even really wants to make this decision. And then she, but then she, then she does. She she kills the tells herself that this is what she has to do, and she and she flames makes this awful decision. And in the aftermath of it, she's kind of in delusional denial as well. Yeah, it's almost like so. Now she sees why that decision was the right one. You know what I mean? No, I mean it's and it is once you've been broken, yeah, and made that jump into your own world of delusion and where where the logic, the lack no longer exists. It's totally skewed towards your viewpoint and your thought process. Yeah, then it really is over. And I mean, like everybody knows somebody in their life at some point along the way who goes through something like this, who convinces themselves. Uh, that they are so right about something, whether it be a personal or professional thing. And then you have to watch that person ride their own pride into the grave. Yeah. And that's what Danny did here. She, she bought in to her own bullshit about how important she is. Yeah. And that, I mean, if there's anything to take away from this show, it's that anybody who, try, who believes that they are more important than anybody else or they're born to do something or destined to rule or lead is a scary, scary thing. It can be a very scary thing. And then as we have touched on multiple times now, there's such an unbelievable parallel between Danny and every politician ever who you get into it for the right reasons. You want to make a difference and help the world and you see how fucked everything is. Yeah. But by the end of it, you're more a part of the problem than a solution. Yeah. And uh, and and I, I mentioned earlier, like I I just watched Infinity War this weekend, and there's a there's a huge parallel there too, which is that the big the big bad in Infinity War 
essentially his motivation is 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 similar to Daenerys. He has a vision for a better world, which is that there needs to be or a better universe, which is that there needs to be half as many people because it's not sustainable to it's have just this many too people. many goddamn people. There's too there's no there's not enough resources. Okay, right, and so he takes it upon himself to enact that will. Oh wow. That's intense. But but the but Havsies? The yes. But the parallel here and and the and you know, the moral reasoning like against this and against Danny's vision is like John says her John says to her, like, how do you know what's good? And and what about people that that think they know what's good and that don't agree with you? And she says, They don't get to choose. And that's that's what Thanos is essentially saying in Infinity War too. Like I get to choose. Me, I know what's right. I'm the guy, and that's what. And that is the problem with 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 all of these with 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 these trains of thought. You're not the only one that knows what's good, and right? Pe- and you have to let people. You have to let everybody decide what is right and what is good for them. Yes, yeah, stupid as that whole spiel is that we get into here in a little bit with Sam and explaining democracy, essentially, it is the correct way to govern any fucking group of people. I mean, flawed as it is. Sure. This is the system that makes the most sense in terms of fairness. It, it, that's inarguable. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. But Anyway, I, just to, to really quickly flash back on my previous point like yeah when when she starts talking about when she's a little girl that couldn't count to 20 mm-hmm. like there's there's still that charm there like it's still daenerys talking to somebody that yeah it's likes. just a poison version of it now sure it's sure, like obviously it's the, yes totally right. it's the same danny we fell in love with in season one but with it with this f- f- poison with this yeah. evil in her yeah yeah and it's but just, I, I just liked that she could still it was it was interesting to see her being Daenerys again and not the person We've screaming seen. in Valyrian at all yes. of her forces. Yes. She was straight up Danny. And it was also she, I loved yeah. I mean, I thought the her ability to pull back to that and then have this it's like a sick twist on it. Totally. It was. Was yeah. was truly like the this was this scene. There was a lot about this episode for me that wrapped things up correctly. That put me in a position where I felt like I really understood a lot of the emotions and things that I found to be confusing over the past few episodes. Danny in particular and her in the throne room here with John, this really hit home. Like, this hit well. It sunk in the way it was supposed to. This all played out beautifully for me. So, yeah, again, he asks, like, how do you know it'll be good? And she's like, because I know what is good, and so do you. And he starts crying. He's like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) And he realizes what he's going to have to do here. And she's like, you do. And he's like, I fucking don't. I'm so tired. And she's like, you do. You've always known. And he's like, what about everyone else, all the other people who think they know what's good? And this is him. He's, He's... He's poking here. Mm-hmm. He's he's prodding a little bit. He's seeing if he can get a little bitty glimpse of hope. And she says they don't get to choose. And then you got to remember that mirrors exactly what Tyrion said. But you do. Yeah. And that's when he realizes. And she says, be with me. Build the new world with me. This is our reason. It has been from, th- from the beginning. Since you were a little boy with a bastard's name and I was a little girl who couldn't count the 20. We'll do it together. We'll break the wheel together. And John says, you are my queen. Now and always, and they kiss passionately, like deeply, for the first time in a couple episodes. Like they're both really into it, both sides. And the music builds, and then we hear it the slide of John's dagger slipping into Danny's side. And he starts to cry, and they stare into each other's eyes, and she falls. He catches her. Uh, it mirrors pretty perfectly his, his, the way Egret dies in his arms as well. Yeah. Blood trickles from her mouth out of, out of her nostrils, and Daenerys Targaryen takes her last breath and uh, dies in Jon Snow's arms. 
pretty powerful shit, Barry. Super powerful stuff. The, I, I mean, I thought this scene was... Well, and then we get to the second half of this scene. I, this was... This 15 minutes here, like, ma- essentially made the episode for me. I mean, it was fucking... It was beautifully executed. The, the, yep. Him crying and holding her, then pulling back, and we can see the whole throne room. It's so powerful. Drogon screeching towards us as John's like still weeping. Uh, her her eyes were closed, like she's very beautiful but dead. It was almost like nice to sort of get to enjoy a dead, not insane version of Danny for a few seconds. For sure, I, I did. I, I and I definitely like remember who she was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think that was certainly purposeful. Yeah, that that like. Death as a resting place for Daenerys was the best outcome for her. Because she was losing her goddamn mind. Yes. Yeah. So Drogon lands and he lumbers toward his dead mom and John, and John is like shaking with fear and adrenaline from what he's just had to do. And he places Danny down and stands and turns to face Drogon. He steps away from Danny, letting Drogon get closer and sniff her. And this 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 moment where he's pushing on her, like trying to nudge her back to life and wake her, was fucked. Very sad. Oh my god, dude, so sad. And he starts like dragging, crying. He looks up at John, furious, growling. He rears back and roars and spreads his wings and he lets out a shriek like never before. And then he looks down at John and growls again. And you're like, oh my god, here it comes. He's gonna eat him or roast him. And we're gonna get that whole maybe John is the unburnt moment. And he loads up like the biggest breath possible. And then boom. He sends the flames going right past John's head, like just straight fury. He's just angry, right? For like 30 seconds, he just flames. And then he reloads, and then he directs that flame absolutely 100% at the Iron Throne. And he melts the shit out of the Iron Throne while the show's theme music plays. Watching it melt away was just awesome, Barrett. Dude, like, obviously in this episode, it's, it's pretty easy to argue that Bran has the biggest come up. It is. But Drogon is kind of like my sneaky MVP because this was tight. <laughs> What's the deal, though? Is he, like, perceptive as to the evils of power and what they sowed here so he took more steps to remove the Iron Throne from the thing altogether? Or, like, is it like a if mom can't sit on it, no one can? Or is he aware of, like, the socio-ecological... <laughs> like, what, you know what I mean? It's like... I think it is... I think it's kind of cool because that part is open for interpretation. Like, he's just but like, I think fuck this. But I think the takeaway is that... Drogon and the dragons themselves are a little bit more perceptive than like we thought you might give them credit for as just big they're not they're not just big dumb animals they have a serious connection much like the dire wolves do with their with their their owners their masters and and yeah I mean I think it was all of that he's not going to kill John because John's a Targaryen and right. he and and that's like that's blood basically like you can't, you can't violate that. Right. He might actually not even have the ability to we don't know. And uh, and, and yeah I think he's He's got to take it out on something, right? Drogon is. It don't. Do you, did you have distressed. like? Did you have a piece of you that was maybe like Drogon? While obviously sad that his mother was dead, also like I I wanted to attribute this feeling to him. Like great distress and sadness that his mom is dead, but also like fuck, she was a mess. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Like, maybe he didn't want to have to, I mean, he's, he's a dragon, he loves doing what he does, but maybe he could sort of sense even a little bit of like, 
this had to this, happen. Yeah, and that's why I, he doesn't roast John. It's yeah, I got a little, I, I got some sense of that. Yes, but whatever it is, dragons are certainly deeper animals than just like some fucking turtle or whatever. Totally. No offense to turtles, but they're like dogs. They're yeah. man's best friend, sort of, is the vibe you get here. Another kind of overarching theme of this episode, I thought, was that despite. Danny's ultimate failure and becoming the person that we all wanted her to be. Right. And, and despite the fact that she did go Mad Queen and did slaughter 100, 100, 100 lots. God. So many. All 100,000 lives plus. In the end, she does kind of contribute to the breaking of the wheel. And the burning of the throne by Drogon, I thought, was essentially step one of achieving the 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 wheel break her it's 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 ironic but her dream couldn't be realized until she was killed yeah like right. she was essentially the sacrifice well in a way she did a lot of bad too yes she was essentially the sacrifice for it to come to fruition yeah which is just makes it all the more sad yes and, uh and deep. We get a cool bird's eye view from the, the burning heap where the throne once stood to like we pan that out was du- that was to John really standing cool. over yeah. Danny's body and Drogon coming in and and she's laying there with John's dagger still in her side and Drogon's big ass claw comes in and like picks her up and his wings flap and he flies off carrying her, her white Targaryen hair flowing in the wind and the screen fades to black for the first time mm-hmm. of like ten times this episode for whatever reason. <laughs> So, audio. Didn't you say that's kind of what they do in, in Lord, Lord of the, the Rings? Rings? Called this multiple times. Yeah. Uh, what, where was he taking her, Barrett? Is it just across the sea back to Dragonstone, or does it matter? Um, yeah, again, something that I think is is kind of open for interpretation. I, 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 I like, 10% of me thought that he was just going to drop her in the ocean. <laughs> that would have been funny as shit. <laughs> um, but it's the ocean burial. I think that he... Pencil I, dive. I think two two options here. One, he was either taking her back to Dragonstone... Or two, he was going to take her all the way back to Valyria. Don't you hate on a show where people can be resurrected, a main character being carried off by a dragon? Don't you, though? Like, don't, not even a single inkling of you was like, oh my God, maybe he could take her somewhere we could, she could be brought back to life. That's how sick I am at this point. Oh, no, I, I, that's not what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm mostly joking, but I am serious. Like, the thought entered my brain. The, like, the thought that I was actually entering my brain was like, oh, shit, is he, like, helping John cover up the murder <laughs> like is he like he's an accomplice by 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 getting her out of there by getting the body out of there now there's less gonna, evidence right is he gonna like actually i, I thought was, that there was gonna be some type of thing where drogon is actually kind of now john's pet i thought that might yeah, happen too. transfer that, like, of ownership right and that maybe drogon is how is how he was going to get like he bring the dothraki take, and the unsullied the to heal yeah but, uh, but how'd yeah. they do the detective work here with like, I mean, so he must have come out and said, dude, I think, hey, he, guys, hand up. I killed Danny. I uh, think, yes. Drogon took her body. You're I, not going to be able to prove this, but I killed her. I, yeah, I think that's what happened. Or I guess some people could have been like, hey, is that Drogon? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. He's carrying Danny. But then John could have blamed the whole thing on him. On been Drogon, like, You're yeah. not going to believe this. The dragon went nuts. <laughs> The dragon went nuts. He melted the throne. He killed his mom, and then he took off with it. <laughs> Fucking crazy. I never would have believed it in a million years. Anyway, I'm king now. Uh, yeah, no, so, I think the, my takeaway after that was that he basically comes out and is like, yo, I just killed the queen. Right, okay. Yeah. So what'd you make of Danny's death scene like overall? Because my only real other point is that she didn't even sit on the Iron Throne. Her cheeks did not make yeah. contact with iron. That is a bummer. Dude, I think that was very purposeful. Obviously, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, dude, you, you kept being like, sit down, God damn it, hurry yeah. quick. Because you knew, you knew what was coming, and it was like, ah, you're right there. But you just didn't quite get the no. ass to the seat, man. No. Whew. Admit it. You think cybercrime is something that happens to other people. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. You may think that nobody wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but guess what? You'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money, in fact. And when you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to, say, to take action to protect myself from cybercriminals and use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. They have easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, or your tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN only takes one click, and then you can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, ClamFam, you can get the exact same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash clams. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash clams for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash clams to learn more. Next, we are with Tyrion. We're zoomed in on his face as he awaits his fate. God knows only what's going through this man's mind at this point, just waiting to be roasted alive by a, by a dragon. And then finally, Grey Worm and the Unsullied come for him, and they take him in chains uh, out from his hotel room cell through the hallway out to the Dragon Pit, where we are suddenly introduced, and I mean suddenly, to the new acting government of the world. Whole squad's here. Danny's Literally dead. whole squad. Ten minutes later, we're, we're, we have the new government. All right. Tell me, tell me first, when you see all these people, what was your like initial reaction? What do you think was going on here? This. I was like, oh no. New, new government. We have a council of sorts here i didn't know who was going to be in it obviously but but seeing him coming out to that that group of people you thought okay so they've already formed some kind of council so right which is which is was was my takeaway too but i also thought that that meant that like the conflict was had been resolved essentially right and there was there was there was still a big conflict a lot of it the unsullied were still about to like do battle with all the people all the other people outside of kingsland yeah so it was weird. Anyway, the console consists of Sansa, Arya, Braun, Edmure Tully, Sam, some random guy, Brienne, Davos, Gendry, another random guy, another random guy, Yara. How stoked do you think the actor that plays Edmure was to get this call? Be like, yo, you get to be in the finale. He was like, you're kidding. He's me. like, are you what? And you have lines. Yeah, he's like, you get you're lines. You're kidding me. He's like, you're on the council. It you're almost, on the new governing council. It almost makes me think he called up Benioff and Weiss and was like, <laughs> I'll give you $300,000 to write me into the finale. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, how the fuck was he in this episode? We see the new Prince of Dorne, by the way, who doesn't even get a line. I don't even know why they brought this dude into the picture, but here's another important exchange of dialogue, Barrett, so again, jump in whenever you see fit. Sansa's like, where's John?" Grey Worm says he's our prisoner. Uh, this was the point where I realized, like, wait, what the fuck? John turned himself in. All, yeah. So all of these people already know that Danny is dead and that John killed her? Yes. And they're letting John be held captive by the Unsullied? Yes. And Sansa insists, so is Lord Tyrion. They were both to be brought to this gathering. Grey Worm's like, we will decide what we do with our prisoners. This is our city now. 
And you're like, oh, goddammit, okay, it's like that. This is still very much not resolved, as Garrett yes, said. Yes, right. Sansa says, look outside the walls of your city, you'll, found, you'll find thousands of Northmen who will explain to you why harming Jon Snow is not in your interest. Grey Worm says, and you will find thousands of Unsullied who believe it is. And then Yara says, some of you are quick to forgive. The Ironborn are not. Bitch, where have you been? <laughs> what? She says, I swore to follow Daenerys Targaryen. And Sansa butts in, you swore to follow a tyrant. And Yara says, she freed us from a tyrant. Cersei is gone because of her, and Jon Snow put a knife in her heart. Let the Unsullied give him what he deserves. I didn't like Yara being here. I didn't like Yara being having any having a say in this, really. Like, you weren't there, lady. You don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah, but the Iron Islands are, like, part of the kingdom, and so they had to call up the leader and, like, whatever. Like, Wouldn't somebody did- have explained properly, like, dude, she burnt the whole city down. She killed all the women and children. Yara was just like, aye, but I already swore. So it's just about the oath to her at this point? Like kind of. Yeah. Uh, and she I like hated l- I mean, these people, some of these people, yeah, I don't know. They 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 just they either don't get it or they don't care, or they just like think that this is like a normal thing that sometimes happens in, in war. It's just right? like regular life. I guess. Like, people but, either don't get it or they don't care. Yeah, but but yeah, so they're like yeah, that's who we were backing. She was the queen, and then they killed the queen. So, like, that we were, we're riding for her. Yeah, like, yeah. That was our team. Uh, do you mind? Do, also, don't forget that Jamie Lannister was literally ridiculed for his entire adult life because he slaughtered a king that was about to murder 100,000 innocent people. True. So people like, don't seem to care all that much about the reasoning. Exactly. They were like, but he killed the king. Yeah. You know, so king it's like, Slayer. that's that's kind of the, the thing here, I think. Jamie, my name is Jamie. <laughs> Anyway, Arya chimes in, say another word about killing my brother and I'll cut your throat. And I was like, thank you, Arya. Somebody shut these people who don't matter up. But Davos has to calm everybody down. We've been cutting each other's throats long enough. Torgo Nudo, am I saying that properly? This is just like uh, your awkward uncle trying to use like hip young kid slang to seem cool or you trying to order any sushi at a sushi restaurant when you're trying to pronounce something. Uh, this was great. I loved him trying to bridge the gap between him and Grey Worm and Grey Worm being completely unamused uh, by Davos's usage of his recently deceased Misa's nickname. <laughs> Davos explains to Grey Worm that everyone in this country owes the Unsullied a debt they can never repay. And that is true. Very fair. He says, but let us try. There is a land in the reach. Good land. The people that used to live there are gone. Make it your own. They're gone. <laughs> Start your own house with the Unsullied as your bannerman. We've had enough war. Thousands of you, thousands of them. You know how it ends. We need to find a better way. John or uh, Grey Worm says, we don't need payment. We need justice. John can't go free. Tyrion then suddenly chimes in. It's not for you to decide. Grey Worm freaks out like, you're not here to speak. Everyone has heard enough words from you. And he's like, you're right. And no one is any better for it. But it's not for you to decide. John committed his crime here. His fate is for our king to decide or our queen. Barrett, what was your reaction to that line? Um, Overall, confusion mostly this was the worst part of the episode this was the worst part of the episode it was I, I i gotta say that i also will say in defense of it that i don't know a, a lot of times when we when we kind of have beef with the writing mm-hmm. it's because there was so clearly an easier way to make that piece of writing more logical or more understandable or just better overall yeah right? like you feel like anybody would have read it and gone well now now this yeah, doesn't wait, make wait, sense right yeah so this is a piece where 
I don't really know how you cross this particular bridge. And they had to do it. They had to get to this next, the third part. act. Yeah. So this second act was wonky and like not very good. It's but I but I also don't know what they could have done to make it better. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily have any advice either. I I didn't get to sleep very much last night. If if you need me to go and fix the whole fucking episode for you, you're gonna have to give me a couple days. But this was trash. It, this it, this part was not good. I'm it, I'm straight up just gonna say it. it's we it's weird because the the first like kind of you know piece of friction is that Tyrion and John are the prisoners of the Unsullied. But now the Unsullied are letting the prisoners talk to the new governing council and are going to let the governing council choose a new king or queen who is not one of the members of the Unsullied who hold the city. Yes, that's correct, sir. Like there is there's just a weird there's a lot dissonance of, there. We're that making, the Unsullied are holding the city and have the two main prisoners. Not even holding. This is our city now. But are also says. going to let a new king step in and rule the city that they hold. And that yes, and that what? So I don't I, like. I guess the point here is that all the Unsullied want at this point is justice for their queen, and, and then they're going to do whatever they want. I um, I, I guess so. That's why. That's what they. I, that's the thing. Okay. The people they're they're willing to fight to get justice for Danny for Danny in the form of death in the form of death John of John Snow or Tyrion, and or that's both. it. That's, and all that's, they care and about. that's all they care about. That's all they care about. Yeah. So that but and then just Tyrion is just able to like convince Grey Worm. That this new king actually should be the one to decide. Yeah. The part where he's like, make your choice then. And first of all, Edmure Tully steps out and I laughed out loud, which I'm not sure is a good sign for the storytelling, even if this was meant to be comic relief. Like yeah. that shouldn't be a part of the last episode of the last show ever of Game of Thrones where I laugh at Edmure Tully, <laughs> even stepping forward. The fact that he's even in the episode at all is a little upsetting. He says, my lords and ladies, I suppose this is the most important moment of our lives. What we decide today will reverberate through the annals of history. I stand before you as one of the senior lords in the country, a veteran of two wars. And I, and I like to think, I love that he doesn't get into specifics about how those two wars went for him. I like to think my experience has led to some small skill in statecraft and understand, and Sansa cuts him off. Uncle. Please sit down. Please sit. <laughs> and Edmure's like, <laughs> and he kind of looks around like, can you believe this bitch trying to tell me to sit down? And everybody's just like, yeah, guy, you need to sit. Sam like nods. So he turns and like awkwardly smacks his sword on a wooden post. And Arya, Arya's look on her face, looking at her uncle. She's like, you poor bastard. You, you piece. <laughs> and then Lord Rice, Lord Royce, excuse me, chimes in. Well, we have to choose someone. And Samwell says, why just us? And here we go, Barrett. We, we, we did the whole song and dance where Sam stands up and basically uh, pitches democracy, saying everybody should be able to uh, pick what's best for everybody. And then after a few seconds of silence, everybody there busts out laughing. And Edmure's like, maybe we should give the dogs a vote as well. And Lord Royce says, I'll ask my horse. Yeah. Great jokes, guys. Comparing people to animals. Just classic. Um, yeah, I, I did... Man, I, I mean, at least I'll tell you this, though. When Sam stands up and starts pitching democracy, I was like saying in my head, like, no, 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 please God, no. Like, this is. This would have been the worst, dude. That was going to be way too, like, pretty of an ending. And preachy. Yeah. It would have wrecked this fucking show, dude. So they had gone. I, I was. I loved that they were like, "Oh yeah, you idiots thought we were gonna make this about democracy." Yeah. So I did. I, I did appreciate that Sam, like, because I th I did think that, that was true to character. 
Sam, as we know, is like an audience avatar. He is basically the stand-in for George R. R. Martin. Yes. And so for him to pitch democracy- Makes like, sense. While it made me cringe, I, I understood it, and I was glad that everybody- laughs it off because of course they're not ready for that right like that would have made we've taken so many steps zero forward. sense yeah yeah you you gotta walk before you exactly gotta, you it's, gotta, it's, uh, it's it's crawl it's, before you walk it's baby steps here yeah uh let's continue though because because there's a lot because there's a lot there's a water bottle behind sam's foot in this scene which is pretty fucking unfathomable stuff did, did you actually go into the episode and see it i feel like people are just like photoshopping this shit into screen grabs at this point that one i believe is actually confirmed Okay. That one, there's a, other people have photoshopped things into other photos, so okay. you got to be careful. But that one, I believe, is actually in the episode. Edmure's like, "Well, I guess you want the crown to Tyrion," but Tyrion shrugs it off, and then he launches into his speech about how I've had nothing to do but think these past few weeks about our bloody history, about the mistakes we've made. What unites people? Armies, gold, flags? And he shakes his head, no. Stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop it. No enemy can defeat it. And who has a better story than Bran the Broken? Holy shit. <laughs> We're really doing this. We're going to make Bran the fucking king? <laughs> what? He continues, the boy who fell from a high tower and lived, he knew he'd never walk again, so he learned to fly. He crossed beyond the wall, a crippled boy, and became the three-eyed raven. He is our memory, the keeper of all our stories, the wars, weddings, births, massacres, famines, our triumphs, our defeats, our past. Who better to lead us into the future? And Sansa's like, Bran has no interest in ruling and he can't father children. His dick doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? The episode is completely derailing at this point for me. It was. It really, really was. I was like, oh my God. But Tyrion goes on uh, in response to Sansa rudely calling Bran out for not being able to reproduce. Tyrion says, good. Sons of kings can be cruel and stupid, as you well know. His will never torment us. And then he turns to Grey Worm. This is the wheel our queen wanted to break. From now on, rulers will not be born. They will be chosen on this spot by the lords and ladies of Westeros to serve the realm. And Sam smiles, uh, and he's happy. Uh, Barrett, this guy is a prisoner in chains, and Uh they're allowing him to basically decide the entire uh, system of government moving forward? That's what's happening, yep. Interesting, interesting. Tyrion says, I know you don't want it to Bran. I know you don't care about power, but I ask you now, if we choose you, will you wear the crown? Will you lead the Seven Kingdoms to the best of your abilities from this day until your last day? Bran, looking suddenly more handsome and less robotic, says, (laughs) why do you think I came all this way? Holy, that line. Why do you think I came all this way? Wink. He was like, ha ha, psych. Yeah, the, the, Tyrion toasts to Brandon of House Stark. I say I, not toasts. He's voting. Sam says I. Then Edmure. Then a random guy next to Edmure. Then a random guy next to Lord Royce. Then Lord Royce. Then a very, uh, very hilariously grown up. Yeah, Robin, Ro- of, the Robin vale. of the Vale definitely got a glow up too. He did. They, do you think that he like showed up to set and they were like, oh god damn it, shit. they were like, whoa, you weren't supposed, you were not supposed to like, you know, get past puberty and look like a normal human, right? Uh, then Yara, then man number three, then man number four, then Gendry. It really pissed me off that there were extras in this scene. Uh, then Davos says, I'm not sure I get a vote, but I. And you're like, God, couldn't you have just said I? Then Brienne, and then we pause on Sansa. And she turns to Bran and says, I love you, little brother. I always will. You'll be a good king. But tens of thousands of Northmen fell in the Great War defending all of Westeros. And those who survived have seen too much and fought too hard to ever kneel again. The North will remain an independent kingdom. As it was for thousands of years. 
and Bran nods in his first act as king, making Sansa queen in the north by default. It what the fuck, Barrett? What the fucking fuck fuck is this? But but nobody else. None of you other none of you other bastards are getting independence. <laughs> Listen to me. And don't even say, and don't even think about excuse it. Excuse me. Excuse me. Only uh, the north. I'm on, going, account, on account of this is my sister. <laughs> I'm going to talk now. I have beautiful red hair. I'm clearly the most attractive person in the region. Uh, we're going to go ahead and declare independence here. Our men are just too tired <laughs> to take part in this shit anymore. How was nobody else like, uh, excuse me, ma'am? We've all pitched in the same fucking amount. And how come nobody was like, who gives a shit? It's your brother, King. You're right. Yes. She's like, uh... That was the weirdest part. Bran, I, I, I hate to be stern and direct, <laughs> but I must speak my mind. The North demands independence from the crown, and Bran's like, Sansa, it's Sansa, it's me. I'm, I've been sitting next to you this entire time. It's me, Bran. What did she do? What the fuck? This was so stupid, dude. No way around it. I don't care. Paint it up however you want. Oh, the North was always wanted. Fuck that. This was idiotic. It's her brother that just became king. First of all, that in and of itself is insane. I mean, to a point, though, this was the best time to ask for it, because what was Bran going to say? No, 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 sister, I deny this request. I guess not. First, first act as king? What is she needed for? That, honestly, that's that's my bigger thing. What's the is point? That, Isn't is, the world solved? We have Bran as is king that now. I, is that I, like, sure, make Winterfell independent or whatever, but, like, I don't really understand... Sansa's motivation for wanting it is a little weird. She's going to be lonely as hell up there. She got no friends. I get that she, she needs to marry somebody, when right? Then she, be... then she want a husband and a family, or is she just going to sit up there and rule with nobody to hang out with? When Danny was going to be queen, it semi made sense. She's like, I don't like this girl or trust mm-hmm. her. I think she's crazy. Fuck that. We want independence. The North has to be separate. But now that it's your brother, what do you? Ca- what I just? It was odd to make the distinction and to for her to say something specifically stating that her men and everybody in the North had sacrificed and been through more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm any of the other people sitting there in those chairs, I'm immediately like, "Uh, excuse me, hold on. We would also like independence then. What the fuck is this? Why don't we all just be independent? Yeah. Why do we need a king? I don't know. Right, right. Like, why didn't it just evolve into, like, states' rights? What if we all are independent, but at the same time, we're we're not? Yeah, no, I I just... (laughs) It was a real mess of a trying to wrap up the broken wheel situation into one like quick 10-minute scene, and it was a fucking massive failure in my opinion, and I'm not going to rag on it any further other than to say that it was trash. Uh, Tyrion <laughs> says, All hail Bran the Broken, first of his name, King of the Andals and the First Men, and Lord of the Six Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm. That is so fucking dumb, I cannot even... I, can't, I just... I'm about to explode. Six Kingdoms? Now the thing is Six Kingdoms? We seven kingdoms this whole time. Now we have six kingdoms. Let's just take one of the gods out while we're at it. All hail the six. Uh, all hail well, Brandon nobody, Broken. I mean, nobody likes the crone anyway. That's so. true. The crone was they always just, my they, least favorite. They can just make it a six-pointed star, get rid of that crone. How are they going to give the man the nickname Bran the Broken? Because he's broken, bro. That's just fucking rude. <laughs> God, he didn't even get to pick his own name. He could have gone with something cool like Kobe did, Black Mamba. At least he's not like, you know... Brand the dunce. I wish he had said, I would prefer to be addressed as Black Mamba. Uh, he says, Lord Tyrion, you will be my you hand. To, well, you have to call me Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and t- good job. Tyrion says, no, your grace, I don't want it. And, and, 
Anyway, the back and forth here, Bran's like, I choose you, Pikachu. Grey Worm is like, fuck that. And Bran's like, uh, no, I'm the king. I get to do whatever I want. Grey Worm says, this man is... Uh, the only reason I'm walking through this is because it's very important to how they tie this up. Grey Worm was like Dwight here when uh, Jim is like, uh, I'm now establishing the committee to rule on all committees. Like, your request has been denied. And yes. Dwight just like accepts it as yes. as as the, the rule of law. Because Jim ranks higher than him. Exactly. So yeah. Grey Worm is like, okay, okay, choose your own king. And then they choose a king. And then the king makes a decision that he doesn't like. And, and he's like, like, what like, are you going to do about it? I'm king. Grey Worm's like, damn it. Yes. Ex- <laughs> dude, thank you. Yes. That's all that needs to be said. Uh, this man is a criminal. He deserves justice. And I've Brand been had. Says, yeah. Bran says, he just got it. He's made many terrible mistakes. He's going to spend the rest of his life fixing them. I did kind of like that, I guess, a, a little. But then Grey Worm says, it is not enough. And from there, we go to a disheveled Jon Snow looking like he's just been locked up in the Chateau d'If for 14 years to get our solution. Tyrion explains, giving you to the unburied... This is... In the uh, what a what? In the what now? Chateau d'If is from from Count of Monte Cristo. Ah, ah, wow. Deep reference there. I I make literary references now, Barrett. Okay. I only know the name because I've seen the movie lots of times. (laughs) It's not actually literary for me. But anyway, this is uh, probably the most infuriating part of the whole episode for me, if you would. Tyrion explains, I hate this, what he says here. Giving you to the Unsullied would start a war. Letting you walk free would start a war. So our new king, your brother, (coughs) has chosen to send you to the Night's Watch. (laughs) John's like, there's still a Night's Watch? I didn't hate it. Really? Yeah. I thought this was among the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I liked it. It made, it made, it was very, it made a lot of sense to me, because at, it, at the very least, it balanced out the fact that Bran clearly just went like biased decision making to let his sister and Winterfell be an independent kingdom, and so like I, it's almost like he needed to make a, a a less biased decision to balance that one out, and at the same time, like th- this also actually does make sense for Jon Snow's character. Yeah, but because it, but the because problem he is, doesn't he doesn't want anything, dude. But real, it's, it's not. You can't get past the fundamental flaw of, hey guys, the Night's Watch doesn't need to exist anymore. Hey guys, the Wall actually well, massively torn down by East Watch, and it doesn't really exist anymore. I think is what we learn at the end of all this, right? And I get okay, if the whole thing was it's kind of a ruse. wink, wink. Yeah. We're sending John. To the Night's Watch, yes. but really he's getting to go do his thing and live out his days in the North. Yes, in, in which is, what it, where which he is loved, what it was. Where yeah. he loved to be with his best friend Tormund or whatever. Yeah. They didn't do a good enough job of painting that up here. Well, why, why would they? How were they supposed to? Because it, it made this scene feel really stupid that I didn't have that in my head like, oh, they're just using this to like, dude, what? No, actually, fuck that. I'm going to back up some. It's still stupid no matter what. Grey Worm and the Unsullied, they're leaving. They could have waited 20 minutes, been like, yep, we're shipping John off to the old Night's Watch, and then, and then- <laughs> Grey Worm and the Unsullied leave for Noth, and they say, okay, John, you're good now. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, by the way, uh, you, you nobody volunteered you to possibly be king That's- when we were having that discussion. Uh, we know we've been talking to you about it this entire time, about how you were going to be king. You were king in the North. Everybody chose you. Uh, maybe you're the better choice. But then when it came down to it and push came to shove, you weren't actually near us in the moment. We kind of <laughs> forgot and we just chose Bran instead. Jon Snow would have turned it down, though. 
sure. It's a fair fair that they would have considered him. And I do agree about your point that the that the unsullied then leave, and there is absolutely nobody to actually hold John to this agreement. And again, that is my problem with all of the biggest errors this season: is that if if it's not about it being stupid or not, it's about the way you explain it. And if you don't do a better job of explaining it, everybody's going to hate it. And in the case of this. They did a terrible job of explaining to me why I should accept or understand that my favorite character on the show, who has just saved the world time after time after time, and clearly everybody thought, well, once Danny goes down, especially, surely I thought John, Tyr- I thought Tyrion was your favorite, though. As, out of all the characters? Mm-hmm. I can't pick a favorite favorite. <laughs> but, like, as my favorite to get the throne, probably, okay. like, I would have picked him as the guy who most likely would have ended up there. Gotcha. And then he's sent to the Night's Watch that didn't even exist. It just, it really, really, really fucked me up. This this part I struggled mightily with. And, I mean, I, I did like that Tyrion goes so far as to say, the world will always need a home for bastards and broken men. You shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. The unsullied one in your head, of course, but Grey Worm has accepted the justice of a life sentence. See, but... Here's the thing. If you're going to go into that, then it's like, well, isn't Grey Worm leaving? Why do we care that he accepted the justice of a life sentence? If you're going to start getting into the weeds with the here's why it worked, then you allow me to get into the weeds and say, here's why it doesn't. Well, uh, but but I can I feel like I can explain this one. I can even explain away the unsullied and that the point of Bran is that he is an impartial, fair ruler. And so he's going to hold up this half truth of a deal because because he's a good guy and that's what they're going to do yeah but the one where he has because to he's send kinda, his and, brother and to he's the giving, north and he's giving John what he actually wants anyway I, I guess I don't think he wants anything at this point point. and sure yes he loves the north he loves it north of the wall and Torment has always told him like this is where you this belong this is where you belong you have the You're, north in you the yes. real north I get that I get all that I, I just wish we had found a prettier more fucking logically not terrible way to get there but that's just my personal opinion other people didn't have a problem with it just me personally this was this was a problem uh Tyrion John asked Tyrion like is what I did was it right what we did Tyrion says he's he puts himself takes ownership of killing Danny with John right because he essentially gave him the idea gave him the choice you you have to do this he said yep and John's like, it just doesn't feel right. Tyrion says, ask me again in 10 years. And I laughed at that because it, it, it's how I feel about this show. When people ask me, what'd you think of the finale? What'd you think of the whole series? I don't think, especially based on how confusing this final season was, I, I don't think it's fair to judge. It's maybe not 10 years that we need before we get there. But hey, ask me again in 10 days at least. Like, don't <laughs> ask me, Don't ask me what I thought of the episode because honest to God, same as I said last night when we went live, I don't know all the way yet. I know there are parts of it that I loved and there are parts of it that I hated. I'm just not all the way made sure. I haven't made up my mind. So to continue, John says, I don't expect we'll ever see each other again. And Tyrion's like, I wouldn't be so sure. A few years as Hand of the King would make anyone want to piss off the edge of the world. And then he walks out. Uh, okay, so Barrett, here, I'll, I'll lay this out for you quickly. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. What the hell am I to make of the show's storyline. Like, with all this talk of now Bran is king, we're reestablishing the Night's Watch, John's being sent out there, uh, the North is going to remain an independent kingdom, we have like nine or ten different kingdoms we're going to rock with still, or I don't know how many, six, I guess, really. Mm-hmm. 
all of this happened, all of this talk of breaking the wheel, of changing the world, and doesn't it just feel like all of this stuff is just the same as it was before? And it just you like w- won't all of the same types of issues inevitably crop up down the line? And if that is the message, that all things are circular and and you know the White Walker symbols and spirals or whatever, if that's the message, is that enough for you? Well, the the I believe that the message was that they break they they do at least begin to break the wheel by establishing a king who will not be succeeded by an heir. I know my first rebuttal to that is when the time comes, don't you think that will be a nightmare? based on what we've seen from these people and their inability to just figure out that voting exists? It's possible, but I I mean, like, then you could say that about any society that ever changes from one form of rule to another. That's true. It just, it strikes me as odd that what I can imagine down the line is, you know, Bran the Broken is old and dying, and now we're left in a situation where once again the crown is up for grabs and a war breaks out. Which is obviously a possibility. Part of the point, right? But- you know, I I think that you, I think that the hope here is that a ruler like Bran and no succession plan and pl- like like no uh, bloodline succession plan, right? Like makes things in the realm better. So if it's going well, then why wouldn't you leave it like this? Okay. And you're and you're attempting to satisfy these the lords and the ladies that would attempt to overthrow this new way by giving them the say got so at least somebody from their house like has a chance right to 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 do this like edmure yeah i mean it's yeah it's uh again i mean like it's this was always going to be a kind of shaky piece of the conclusion unless they let uh, unless the ending was going to be Daenerys sitting on the throne. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the more I've thought about it, the there weren't a ton of clean ways for them. There weren't any clean ways for them to do any of this, really, considering the time constraints. Like, do you think you would have been more satisfied with Sansa ascending to the throne? and no. And keeping Winterfell in the fold? No, not necessarily. I, I mean, maybe like, a little, sure. Yeah, I'm, I I don't I, I just I think that for I think that for for the wheel to attempted to be like to at least start to be broken down. Right. They needed somebody like Bran. I'm with you. I get that this is a, it's, it's a good first step, but it like all right, when they start to pitch democracy and you're like holy shit, please no, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Then you expect the counter to be incredibly believable and logical and like oh yes that's a great idea i didn't have that feeling when they threw out bran is going to be the king now okay and i really didn't have it when i had when bran was like psych i have a personality i'm actually a little cocky and i'm so here for this yeah i actually that part was more was more difficult to accept than the overall piece of plot. Like, did Bran plan all of this just so he ends up in the Iron Throne? Because it could be argued That's, that with his ability to influence the past, he could have set all of this into motion just so he becomes king. Yeah, and and this is... See, this is the part that I, that I actually like bump up against a little bit more, is the continued lack of explanation for Bran's powers and for the Three-Eyed Raven in general. Right. 
So I have way more of an issue with the lack of like transparency and storytelling around Bran right. than I do with this specific plot point that they name Bran the ruler because he is the most impartial, unbiased, and all-knowing. Okay. No, I, okay, do you, fair you, enough. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Because yes. it was, it is totally weird that Bran has been robot boy for two and a half seasons. Yes. And now in the very last episode is dropping winky lines like what do you think i came all the way down here for yeah like and and i'm sure it will we still have no idea what he does or does not know about the future we still have no idea like he's actually find him to be an ominous character he was obviously like allowing people or helping people be in the right place at the right time to do what they needed to do for him maybe for the for the benefit of the realm which just so happens to end up with him on the throne that's where it gets cloudy at this point it's like i I, i'm aware that we're never going to get that answer by the way it's just a it's a it's a point of speculation that brand very well could have been the person who set up all of this i mean honestly the second they name him king it hit me in my head well, now it might have made sense if he had warged into Drogon and flamed all those people <laughs> for the sake of making Danny not the one to be chosen because it was going to be him. Like, I, I, I just can't wrap my... If you go back and you play out this season in your head and the way this went down and Bran and the gods would with his eyes rolled back as everybody else is fighting for his life just so the Night King can get slaughtered. It plays out some other things in my brain too. Like, maybe the Night King knew what Bran was doing and that he was bad and that he had to come down to try to stop him from becoming king or something. I, I do like that the way the show ended put a shit ton of all these different possibilities into my head as far as true meaning behind everything. But also, I don't like that I'm coming up with all these crazy-ass theories in my head still for the reasons yeah. things could be. I mean, I think that's all kind of conspiratorial, though. I it's think, my fault. It's on me. I, I think... Like the like maybe the Night King thought that Bran was bad the whole time. Like that's that that's little more than a like, conspiracy who theory. Who cares? To yeah. Me. Well, also, who cares yeah. at this point? I mean, it really doesn't matter. I, I think their goal here was to wrap this up in a kind of neat little way, in like a little like w- put a little pretty bow on top of packaging on top of it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. yeah. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Felix Gray. We live constantly staring at our screens. Our lives revolve around them and through them, technology allows us to do things never before possible in human history. <coughs> Excuse me. We can communicate with our friends and family in an instant. Information is accessible in abundance in a moment, and we're pushing what's capable constantly. One third of Americans actually spend eight hours a day in front of a screen. I think it's like 12 for me. 43% of Americans have a job that requires prolonged computer use. You got to not also keep in mind, you're constantly scrolling through Instagram or watching Netflix or chilling in front of a screen of some kind. And that's why 60% of us report symptoms of digital eye strain. You're going to spend 3,500 hours looking at screens this year and screens emit blue light that can be harmful to your eyes. If you ever have headaches or blurry vision or dry eyes or fatigue at the end of a long day, you have experienced likely symptoms of digital eye strain. This is where our sponsor, Felix Gray, comes in. They design incredible blue light filtering lenses that filter 90% of all high-energy blue light out. They're on a mission to protect your eyes and make every second of those 3,500 hours you spend this year staring at screens more comfortable for your peepers. I love these things, man. I, I did not know blue light was a thing until Felix Gray became a sponsor. I use them all day at home now, whether I'm working on my computer or my cell phone or playing video games or watching a TV show, which I'm doing one of those four things at all times. (laughs) And I feel much, much better at the end of the day ever since I've gotten these Felix Grays. So go to Felix, 
felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC today to grab yours. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC. Because let's face it, you're never going to have reduced screen time. You might as well get yourself some glasses that not only look good, but are going to help out your eyes. And this is for everybody. You don't need a prescription in these things. You absolutely do not. This is for everybody that looks at screens. You know what I mean? Like these will help reduce the strain on like your I eyes. Like I actually, I have a pair that are prescription uh, for when I don't have my contacts in. Then I have a pair for when I have my contacts See? in that are not prescriptions so that I go. can continue to protect my freaking eyes. So yeah. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash OCC. Again, that's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y Glasses. Dot com slash OCC. From there, we walk out of King's Landing with Jon Snow, down past a, a couple, I guess, already Night's Watch guys in black. Where the fuck did these, they initiated these dudes right quick? Over to look, uh, we're overlooking the ships, and then we head down to the docks. Jon passes Grey Worm. That's very awkward. Uh, one of Grey Worm's men tells him, all the men have boarded. And he says, good, we sail for the Isle of Nath. So they're not even taking the reach. No, no, they don't. They said they didn't want that shit. Pretty awesome. So John continues his walk. He runs into Arya. Noth is way prettier than the Reach, and also uh, has the mommies. The, yeah, well known for the mommies. He's gonna find Missy's sister. <laughs> That's what he's gonna do. Uh, Arya is pushing King Bran around in his chair. Sansa is also waiting for them. Sansa says, I-, "I hated this. I'm sorry, but I did. I wish there'd been another way. Can you forgive me?" Oh, you mean another way like not sending your brother to the fucking wall again? Uh, John says, the North is free thanks to you. Uh, free from Bran? Like, what? I, I don't even know what Sansa says, but they lost their king. John says, Ned Stark's daughter will speak for them. She's the best they could ask for. Sansa hugs him. He hugs her back. It is sad, and you feel that. I mean, you feel the moment like you're supposed to, but it also feels a little weird. This is all a little weird. They're sending John back to, the, to Castle Black, Barrett. Jon Snow was going, he was murdered there three years ago. <laughs> They're sending him back? I, Fuck me, he saved the whole world, Barrett. I, the reason that I was okay with this is because... Because you're sick. Jon Snow was never more himself or at home than when he was there. Fine, I'm never more at, at, at home or myself than on the golf course. That doesn't mean I can spend my whole fucking life there. What if I sentenced you to life on the golf course? I would gladly accept <laughs> and go serve my sentence. Like, uh, you know, I, I, we don't have to waste any more time on this. I'm just, it's frustrating for me still. It's the next day, Barry. Give I me a think break. it's, I think it's going to settle on you and, uh, over okay. the, over I, the next week. Hey, and that's going to be a big part of what we're talking about on Wednesday and Friday is, is the rest. First of all, we're already way over time here. So we're going to try to quickly get through the rest of this episode, but a lot of Wednesday and Friday will be reactionary and more processed discussion around what we think the episode ended up less reactionary more processed yes i think you said more reactionary thank you for correcting that (laughs) yes less reactionary more processed um anyway john says to aria you can come see me you know at castle black and she says i can't and he says you think anyone will dare tell you women aren't allowed okay dude so what not only does castle black and the night's watch still exist but now we're all assuming the exact same old rules apply as before all this went down what the fuck are they even defending the realms of men from at the Night's Watch? Drunk Tormund? He's the biggest threat. Yeah, that, yeah, I don't know. That's why it also was like kind of like winky winky the whole time that this was just a setup for, for John to winky, go. Winky winky. Yeah. 
You like how I keep saying I'm not going to complain anymore about it, and then I and then I keep complaining about it, though? <laughs> Does that please you? Arya says, I'm not going back north. And Sansa's like, wait, what? Where are you going? At this point, I was like, can't we all just hang out? Does anybody want to hang and enjoy life together and live and love? Have a meal of food? They, they don't. Son of a bitch. Everybody's leaving. Arya's like, what's west of Westeros? And she says, no. Uh, John says, I don't know. And she says, no one knows. It's where all the maps stop. That's where I'm going. And John says, you have your needle? She says, right here. The thing is, Arya's wrong here that no one knows. Because Tanner Lannister famously went abroad west of Westeros for a semester. You know what's funny is I heard- He came back and his whole perspective, like it had changed his whole perspective on shit. Oh, shit. I heard that him and Euron- He was tripping with spider monkeys, you know? I heard that him and Euron Greyjoy had an epic coke binge- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that ended with a dead hooker. Euron's been out there on the seven seas they were like for way, his entire life. Like way yes. west of Westeros when they killed that hooker. That's the that is the stuff of of urban legend. Nobody actually knows if that one's true or not. But you know, I could definitely see Euron and Tan- and Tanner having a, having a blast. Yeah. No, they party. Those guys party. They're Dude, good they guys. They do. They're just so pirate. Just a small a small correction here for for Arya. What is? That nobody knows what's West or Westeros. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Tanner course, does. Because Tanner does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, her and John hug, and it's sad. But again, also a little bit weird because Arya is going to become a pirate, and John's going back to the Night's Watch. Um, John kneels before Bran. He says, Your Grace, I'm sorry I wasn't there when you needed me. And Bran, who looks quite dapper in his new duds, says, You were exactly where you were supposed to be. Then John is off to the Night's Watch again, inexplicably, insanely to me. And again, I know he loves the North. I know Tormund is there and that'll be dope, but holy shit. Next, we're with Brienne. She's flipping through the Book of Brothers. Long story short, she fucking goes to Jamie's page and she finishes it. She fills in all the, all the shit that we didn't think anybody would ever put in there. Uh, you know, forgiving and forgetting essentially is what she's doing. Well, not forgetting. Forgetting and re- or forgiving and remembering, I guess. <laughs> forgiving and remembering, she, Yeah, she, yes. she writes all of it down. I mean, she gets really deep, like River Run, Casterly Rock, yeah, losing yeah. his hand, all of it. And then... She thinks of an ending. He died protecting his queen. That made me cry. Yeah, love this. Love this scene. Uh, you knew as soon as you saw Brienne that she was going to fill in Jamie's page, uh, which is something that we talked about over during the night's rewatch. Is like how Jamie w- would fill would fill out that page essentially yes. yeah. from the moment that he that that they have that scene where he, where they look at it and you know there's nothing there's essentially nothing on his page. Essentially, you know, like what 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 can he do? To kind of like leave that legacy and and Brienne, who knew him better than anybody, really, at least knew like his truth, his true character better than anybody, right. like gets to put that stuff in into the into the books of history. And you I know, thought that was great. It's wild. Uh, one of the things in the inside of the episode, Benioff and Weiss point to uh, uh, Natasha Bedingfield's "Unwritten" being Jamie's favorite song. Mm, that was in the inside of the episode. Uh huh. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that on Friday's yes. Patreon episode yep. as well when we watch the, the inside rest of the episode. is still unwritten. Yeah. Uh, she even capitalized the word queen. I fucking love Brienne. Then she slams the book closed, and I just love Brienne. Now we're back with Tyrion, who walks into the room where the small council meets. He approaches the hand of the king chair. He's probably reminiscing on all the times he's been in this room and all the different people he's sat at this table with. Then he sits in his chair. He's sort of like seemingly absorbing the role. Then he gets back up and he's like, oh shit, I got to tidy up this room. I'm in charge here. He's organizing the chairs just so, like starting to take, to, take, to take the job seriously, I guess, is sort of, it's time for business again. It's almost like... That was what bugged me so much is it was like, all right, everything's over. And now everything's kind of starting again. Like, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. But the door opens. In comes our new small council. It's Sir Bron of the Blackwater. 
Uh, Sam the Slayer, Davos the Onion Knight. Sam places a book down in front of Tyrion. Tyrion asks, what's this? And Sam says, a song of ice and fire. Archmaester Ebros's history of the wars following the death of King Robert. I helped him with the title. And Tyrion's like, I suppose I come into heavy criticism. Sam says, no, I wouldn't say that. Turns out, uh, I don't believe you're mentioned, <laughs> Sam says. Barrett, what was that meant to convey? Um, You know, I think it's just a little I, I, comic. It was just supposed to be a little joke. joke because Tyrion is obviously very, very important in <coughs> A Song of Ice and Fire. Yes. Uh, Gurm's version. Mm-hmm. And now, Sir... Sir Archmaester Ebros's version, and in Archmaester Ebros's version, him. he's not even he's not even in. Now, I basically am asking: Do you think it's Archmaester Ebros's personal bias against Tyrion, or is this pointing to the disconnect between history writers and history itself? That yes, that the is. latter. Yeah, ah, it had to be one of them. Yeah, I had a fifty-fifty shot. I mean, also likely it's focus on the major players rather than the machinations behind the scenes. Wicked, wicked, right? Major players like. You know, I like saying major player. Yeah, major That's player. It. True player for real. It's my only um, point. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I thought more than anything, it was just kind of a joke that like that Tyrion isn't in the kind of gets left out of of the, the big of the Song of Ice and Fire Westeros version. Yeah, exactly. Uh, King Bran the Broken is wheeled in to break up the awkwardness, and uh, you'll notice no more beep boop beep. That's because that's not him, not anymore. Um, which. Hey, Barrett, also, you remember do- when he said, I can't be Lord of Winterfell, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven now? And yes, then, like, also, doesn't the Three-Eyed later? Raven live forever, essentially, I, until the Night King kills him? Is he going to become a tree? <laughs> anyway, he comes in, wheeled by his Kingsguard, Brienne and Pod, who both have beautiful, shining golden armor. Brienne sits down at the table. Uh, Bran is like, we appear to be missing a Master of Whispers and a Master of Laws and a Master of War. And Tyrion says, yes, Your Grace, suitable prospects will be brought in for your audience in the coming weeks. Uh, and then Bran says, and Drogon... Any word? Good question. I, I suppose Sam says he was last spotted flying eastward toward, and Bronn cuts him off. The further away, the better. And then Bran's like, "Perhaps I can find him." Do carry on with the rest. Yes, Bran. Perhaps you could have found him when he was burning the fucking city down, bro. <laughs> what do you mean you think you could find him now? Holy crap, dude! I just wish they hadn't put that line in there because it makes me feel like, well, then why weren't you being more influential the whole time? And then that's where my mind goes to, maybe Bran isn't good. Yeah, that's inaccurate. But still to go on from there. He, he the, the other thing is like, okay, let's, what he's saying is he's going to roll back and roll back his eyes and go see if he can see where the dragon is. That's R- it. Right. So he could have done that while the dragon was burning down King's Landing. And he would have seen that the dragon was burning down King's Landing. He's not saying that he's about to go warg in a Drogon and like no. crash him into the ocean. No, he's I know He's just that. saying he's going to see where he's at. Make sure that that dude is just staying over in Valyria. I guess, like, flock of birds just aimlessly flying until you find the dragon west, east, whatever. Who cares? What It is what it is. We're fucking... We're, we're pretty much done here. You know what I mean? So it, it, it kind of... Uh, I'm not going to pick nits over, over Bran's words. Sir, oh, Brienne says Sir Podrick, and Podrick walks up with this big smile on to take Bran's chair. And then everyone stands, and Tyrion speaks, We serve at your pleasure, King Bran the Broken, ruler of the Six Kingdoms and protector of the realm. Can I just say weak-ass titles? 
considering. Like, well, they, they, you know, the Daenerys set the bar pretty high there. She so. did, but no three-eyed raven in there, no <laughs> warging, no nothing like that. I mean, anyway, everyone says, long may he reign in, in their individual beats. And Tyrion is like, that will improve. And Bran says, I'm sure it will, because he has a personality now. Yeah. Then they all sit back down and Tyrion addresses Bronn. Sir Bronn of the Blackwater, Lord of Highgarden, Lord Paramount of the Reach, and Master of Coin. Now those are some titles. He says, would you say the crown's debt to you has been paid? Bronn says, in full, my lord hand. They're just best buddies again. Dude. All is forgiven. Here's where Bronn comes back into play. Still don't, I guess they needed the little side story with Bronn. So that it made, so that we like hadn't forgotten about him when he sits on the small council. I guess I don't know. That was weird. I, I it's now, played out strangely. I'll just say I like Braun on the small council. Hilarious master of coin. Per- yes, perfect fit for the job. First thing he tries to do is open brothels. I the, the yeah, like this exchange was was good to me. I liked it. The whole thing about him going to find Jamie and Tyrion on the orders of Cersei and the crossbow and the. Yeah, that the whole thing. Yeah, m- maybe the worst plot line of season eight. The, it was a bit of a time waster, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not great. Not not great, Barrett. Not anyway, great at all. Doesn't matter for this episode. So no, it doesn't. Continue. So Tyrion says uh, we have hungry people to feed. Blah blah blah. Can we expect some? Anyway, it's all very Seinfeld esque. This sort of ending. My dad pointed oh, that. Oh, that's said a it re- great call. He said it reminded him of them sitting in the jail cell. Yes, sitting talking. in the jail cell talking about the buttons on the shirt. Yes, that is. Very accurate. Very Seinfeldian. Yeah, we do talk about the brothels and reconstruction, and we end on Tyrion saying, I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a Dude, brothel. Dude, I thought we were going to get the punchline. I punch thought line. we were going to really get the fucking joke, and then I kind of like that they I did. love that we didn't. Because you know it wouldn't have lived up to no, the hype, bro. No, no but way. I, I, yeah. That scene was, I think this is one of the scenes that people are pointing to as fan service. Didn't care. Loved it. Can you argue, perhaps, that the joke that Tyrion tells could be a parallel to the show itself? That, like, if you tell the joke, in the end, nobody's going to be happy with it. It's too much buildup, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly certainly something to consider. But I, I, I did, you know, I thought that was thought that was fun. Then Sh- we're back shouts at to, the... Shouts to Steve. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dad. From there, we're back at the goddamn wall with John and these other two random brothers of the Night's Watch that nobody's ever seen before. And John sighs when the gates of Castle Black open, because who wouldn't? But then he sees Tormund there waiting for him, and the gates close behind him, and the screen fades to black yet again. When it comes back, we're on the pommel head of Longclaw, then Needle, then Sansa getting dressed with her dress, Arya's dagger, John sheathing, sheathing his sword, rather. This is our exit here, right? This is the big finale, yep. final fucking scene. And uh, Arya's rolling out maps, preparing her pirate telescope. Sansa's walking through Winterfell. Arya... Walking through her ship out on the deck, she's a pirate queen. John looking out onto the Night's Watch men. I, actually, it ends up being a bunch of wildlings. Mostly wildlings. Yeah, yeah, it's just mostly wildlings. Ready to save the world again or do whatever it is he does. Sansa walking through the Great Room is in Winterfell. Everybody bows. Uh, then we get Ghost. Ghost whines. Ghost. Ghost is a good boy. He's missing a fucking ear, but it's he's a good ghost. boy. Ghost. Dude, tell me how badly you think the showrunners wanted to tell everybody that he to, was coming back to fuck off yeah. when like people were livid, enraged. They got death that, threats that John didn't snuggle Ghost when he heads south. Yes. Like this, you think they were so badly wanted to be like, oh, just wait, just wait, just he wait. He gets the pets and boops. 
Yeah, no, he, he now, does. I mean, that was my first thought. My second thought was, I wonder if they had to go back and post and put in this scene <laughs> after people just lost to it. to try to calm everybody down? That would be hilarious. Did they but, go, did, but no, I don't. It's but. Well, Ghost is in a bunch of these little scenes. This part right here, he's uh-huh. in like, that. you see him walking and yeah, shit too. But yeah. again, they could have done that in post. Very funny, funny No, but idea. I did, like, I, dude, they probably wanted to, they, I, they, they probably had such a hard time with that because they were just like, just you wait, just you wait. I, you know how Benioff and Wise said they were going to be as far away as possible from the internet and piss drunk when the finale aired? Oh, I did not, I did not see that. that They've been that. saying this for okay. months. Right. Um, I was trying to think what I would have done if I was them. I probably, probably would have died last night. <laughs> I think I would have tried heroin or something. Like, <laughs> the hardest possible drug. Anyway, uh, I'm just joking. Don't do heroin. Then Arya is on her ship looking out at the future. Who knows what booty lies ahead. Uh, I cannot believe she just left Gendry high and dry. Then the gates of Castle Black open and Tormund and Jon stand ready. We see Sansa being crowned queen in the north. The crown is dope. Uh, my wife actually fucking hated it, but I liked it. And that's sort of how it went this whole episode, in fact. One of the people devastated by this episode my wife do you think that it is influencing your thoughts on the episode no okay no i'm not as negative as you might be perceiving it okay. i i am i'm perceiving am, pretty negative now that is because i'm trying to play a fair devil's advocate to your mostly positive nature okay now and and, and in my nature i am quite pessimistic <laughs> but 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 do not get me wrong well we're going to talk about this in a second let me sure, fucking finish sure. here uh, she's the Queen in the North chant breaks out, which is new. We queen have in the, the North. Ah, queen in the North. <laughs> which just feels good to be able to say that. Yes. Then we have Arya on the ship again. The sails on her ship have Stark wolves on them. Then John and Ghost and Tormund riding out beyond the wall with a ton of wildlings following behind them. I guess they're going to start like a new civilization. The show set up for like 26 spinoffs here, Barrett. It was the, one of the most surprising things to me is I was like, is I was, and I actually didn't, I, I liked it. Okay, it was weird though because now I want the spinoffs. Yeah, and I know that they're we're not, not gonna getting get those. No, but I like. But this absolutely was like, hey, we could totally do some sequels if we wanted. Yeah, we're leaving the door open, just cracking the I door. I mean, dude, I get honestly, they probably did leave the door cracked on purpose. Barrett, if Kit Har- if Kit Harrington goes and does like some super unsuccessful, which is going to have rom coms or action movies that he's not very good in, very like HBO is like, yo, you want to do a King of the North show? Who says no? I do not find fault in this. I do not find even an ounce of fault in this. I do not think it would have been even fucking close to intelligent to wrap it to, up in a way that to, gave you no options. That That's fair. That is what totally fair. What if we fair. need more down the line, dude? Fuck it. Like The, yeah. we, the ending at this point was never going to be... <coughs> excuse me. It was never going to be like this all-fulfilling right. thing that right. everybody was pleased with. I, yeah. We might as well get some... I, here's why I like it, Barrett. Okay. In my head, I enjoy being able to picture or imagine what my characters are off doing. So, and they nailed that part. Yes. They nailed that they left this with, like, here's what your boy, here's what everybody is doing now for the foreseeable future. And, and everybody imagine, was in there, everybody was in their place. And basically. you can imagine they have long lives that they live out. Yeah. So, yep, you know I, what I mean? I like, did. I absolutely had that feeling. And you kind of get that for yourself. Yep. That you get to fucking imagine. And that's one, it's one of the reasons I enjoyed the Sopranos ending so much is that I didn't want to watch, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, anything happen at the end. Right. I wanted to be the one who got to decide what happens and I liked it for that reason. Um, sure. Although at the time I thought my television was broken and lost my fucking mind. 
We see that wildling extra that I pointed out from Winterfell like three times earlier in this season. I swear to God, he's a celebrity cameo, and he's in this fucking episode again. I demand someone solve this mystery. Then the gates of Castle Black close behind John. He looks around at all the people walking past him. The theme music kicks up. It's like a choir vocalized version of it, though. It's pretty beautiful. And I kind of wanted the just classic version, if I'm being honest. Uh, and then John rides his horse into the woods beyond the wall with the wildlings, and that's it. That's how this show that was a definite lock to be in the conversation for greatest show of all time and maybe still remains there, but in my opinion, did not take the throne, if you will. Yeah. That is my intake. It. We were Danny. We were on the steps. Game of Thrones just needed to sit down, and they didn't quite get it done. And look, I'm not saying... Anything beyond that, all I'm saying is they didn't stick the landing. And if you don't agree, that's totally cool, too. I just don't think they stuck it. I still think it's a top five, inarguably greatest series of all time. Top five, easy. Maybe number one still. I told you I need time to process. Barrett, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I think I was, after after one night of sleep, I think I'm a little bit higher on the, the finale as a whole. Um, than you were yesterday after watching? No, no, no. Then, then oh, you then are. Oh, me. Then me, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I obviously can say that, that that the second act of the finale was essential, was forgettable, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is, I mean, honestly... But, but they had to do something to bridge act one and act three, both of which I thought were pretty good, act one especially. Yes. Had some incredible moments in it that I... I, I agree. We're awesome. Taylor totally disagreed. Hated Act One. Um, Very weird. So yeah, and but I think as far as the show's overall legacy, I look obviously it's going to take some time to process and really like put it on the put it in the put it at the right place on the pedestal. The rest is still but I think I was thinking about this. I actually had typed up a text that I forgot to put in in one of our group texts. But would you say that the do I have the cons- kind of the overall consensus top five shows right here? And I mean by like by majority. Obviously, everybody's top five is a little bit different, but I feel like top five, and this is in no particular order, by the way, is The Wire, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Game of Thrones. Uh, Mad Men doesn't touch that squad for me, but yeah, some people put it in there, but no, fuck no. Mad, Mad Men being argued as a top five show of all time to me is totally asinine. Okay. Great show. I've very actually, well made. So I've actually, I've never seen Mad it's Men. It's not very compelling. So, but I know that a lot of people really, really loved it. Uh, uh, very well made, but not in the conversation with those others. Okay. So, so do you have a fifth one to throw in there? I don't know. Or is that Mine just kind of a, a wild card spot, a slot? Honestly, dude, a lot of my favorite, favorite shows ever have had wishy-washy endings, mm-hmm. and it's left me sort of uh, with an un- unfinished debate on where there's, so, they land. by the way, that is... That is another huge point to keep in mind is that endings are the hardest parts of stories. Why do you think why do you think George hadn't finished the fucking books? Barrett, in he can't figure he cannot figure out a satisfying way for himself to cleanly write the ending in a way that makes sense and feels good and is true to the true to the books. Yes. And is like and at worthy, the same time worthy like, of wor- his story. Yeah, exactly, dude. And that is so hard. It is uh, so hard. And we for, just watched how hard it was with the last two seasons of this show. For anyone that is upset and like, they ruined it, they ruined it, go watch the show Dexter, okay? (laughs) Go watch Dexter, come back in six weeks, and you tell me that they ruined Game of Thrones. No, they didn't stick the landing. 
But they didn't ruin the show. You're all freaking out and overreacting because, A, there are too many of you now. This has become way too mainstream. And right. the more mainstream you get, the more haters yes. there are. Yep. Uh, by the way, we've seen that with this very podcast this year as a result. Uh, and shouts to all the haters out there for keeping us motivated. We love our haters. <laughs> Not really. But uh, I don't even remember what my B was. It just... It just isn't ruined, okay? It isn't. And that is a bad argument. You can't have inarguably five of the best seasons ever made yes. and then the last three ruin the show. That's yeah. not possible, sir. Happy Gilmore accomplished that feat no more than an hour ago. <laughs> um, the show's legacy will stand strong in time. I am confident in that. For me personally, I will reevaluate on Wednesday for Wednesday's podcast and then again on Friday as well yeah. with members of the Mollusk Militia. I'm not willing to sit here and say, here's a number or a grade. This was one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to enjoy in my life, ever. And I'm not ending Without it question. on a negative note. Even with all of the negative things I had to say today, Barrett, my encouragement to everybody would be, even if you have to do what I do and, and go through and like laugh at the bad shit, don't let it sully the whole experience for you. That's just stupid. Don't do that. Yeah. Um it, it, it it's going to be an all timer no matter what and and I the the one that I think about in contrast to Game of Thrones because it's one of the only shows that like truly stuck its landing is Breaking Bad. Yeah, and it's, Breaking it's, Bad is a show that plotted itself out for a five and a half season run and then hit those marks. That without, is the key. Without 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 fail, it knew how it knew what it was doing the entire time. It knew how it was going to end. It knew like how the time like that show is one that was paced perfectly because they knew exactly how many seasons they were doing from the get go. It's funny because even as they were making some decisions on the fly, like for instance, Jesse Pinkman was actually supposed right. to die in season sure. one. They were still making those decisions on the fly and adjusting the longer term story yeah. as they went. They weren't like, okay, well, so I guess we'll just we'll make Jesse a main character and then not worry about how that changes all the other shit we already right. wrote, which is the thing that you feel like they kept bumping up against in Game of Thrones, like. Oh shit, we put ourselves in a position where we have to address this. All right, yeah. we have to address this. Yeah. Oh shit, we did this. Now we have to do this. And not all of it ever really fit together. Like Braun is the best example. Braun's arc in this season was a complete and utter waste of time, more so than the Sand Snakes, even. What what why the fuck did we need all those scenes? We already knew all the things we knew about Braun that they told us in those scenes. Braun, yeah. torn between money and friendship. Braun. The cell sword with a heart. Like, we fucking knew all that already, so they just wasted our time. Yeah. I'm going to stop rambling, but any other thoughts in closing, Barrett? Before we move on, and again, there will be a lot more talk yeah, about this in that, the coming, that's, week, coming I've, days. I've exhausted the, uh, the, 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 the speaking today. I think, good. That's, I think that's all that's in my body. Good. Okay, good. We but know I'm you sure, have- But uh, there will be lots more on Wednesday Yes, there will. We know you have lots of options when choosing your Game of Thrones companion podcast, and thank you for choosing Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, presented by Bolin Media. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode driven by hotline calls from you, our listeners, the Clam Fam, with questions, theories, hypotheticals, and more. And if that's not enough, for those of you who are fortunate enough to call yourself members of the Mollusk Militia, you'll get a third episode on Friday to make sure you're as fully prepared as humanly possible for the fucking nothing. It's over. Just for life, I guess. Just for you moving forward. Clam fam. And the good news is anybody can still join the Mollusk Militia. If you join on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, you immediately gain access to four Friday episodes of this show that you have never heard before. And then we'll have another one, the 5th for May, this Friday, as well as written content. And then we'll be announcing and talking about and further expanding upon what we have already announced regarding our June uh, content offering and everything moving forward into the future. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, 
We're going bigger. We're going better. We're going to make this thing uh, incredibly enjoyable for the foreseeable future for all of us. Okay, follow us on Instagram, at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. On Twitter, at Clams and Cockles. Like us on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. And then also listen to the Ross Bolin Podcast. Barrett, where can the good members of the Clam fam follow you and hear more from you? Personal accounts, Twitter and Instagram, at Barrett Dudley. Again, if you want to see Ross and uh, the, the little live reaction that- I was wearing Ro- a robe. That Ross and I did last night. It's up on my Instagram, at Barrett Dudley. Uh, Twitter, where I'll be interacting with all you guys for the rest of the week, I'm sure, at Barrett Dudley, and then uh, my other podcast, Club Cool Pod. Go check it out wherever you're listening to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. We we graciously appreciate... No, we greatly appreciate all of you, Clam Fam. Uh, If y'all were new with us this season and you just hopped on board, we still love you, too. If you've been here since before season six with us, if you did the whole night's rewatch with us, we fucking love you. This is not over yet. Come back Wednesday. Come back Friday. And then come back next week to find out where OCC is going in to the future. Adios. Adios.